I'm going to give the people what they want. Sensation, horror, shock. Well, you don't have to spit in my eye, do you? Now, let's do this a little faster. Yes, that's it. Throw it away. I want you to get naked so you can tell me the truth about my money. Have you ever heard anything so awful? <laughs> Bert! What do you know about that? Welcome to the Cult Movies Podcast. My name is Anthony King, and joining me from the left coast, my co-host is... Hi, Kristen Lipska. Hi. And from the correct coast, my other co-host is... Vinny Cherry. And from the other left coast, we are joined by a very special guest who I'm going to get to in just a second. This podcast, though, is all about the author and critic and historian Danny Perry and his cult movies books, but we're not talking about Danny Perry on this week's program because it's a very special time. We are going to talk about our favorite film discoveries of the year 2022, and uh, I, listen, he's obviously so popular we had to have him back for a third time um he's one of my favorite people in the world now not just to talk to about movies just in general he's one of the the nicest people i've ever met and he is the fabulous host of vhs it's dirk marshall hello dirk welcome back for number three uh thank you so much thanks for having me back it's nice to meet you both Kristen and Vinny. yeah Hola. So, um, we are, uh, film discoveries. I have set a simple boundary for this episode and, uh, it's the Brian Sauer rule of film discoveries, which means that we'll be talking about 10 films that we watched for the first time last year, uh, with the only rule being that these films must have been released before the year 2000. And uh, that's what Brian has always done for uh, Rupert Pupkin Speaks. And uh, that's what they kind of do for Pure Cinema still. And I have always loved that rule and have adopted that for uh, all the lists that I've been doing. And what's really exciting, so Discovery's lists are my absolute favorite thing to read, to listen to, uh, to make up my own, uh, because it's not just the same movies being talked about over and over. Let's talk about everything that was released in 2022. And it's like, nah, that listen to one of those episodes. That's all you need. Uh, who knows what the hell we're going to talk about on this episode. And I'm very excited about this because I feel like, uh, between the four of us, we have very different tastes and I'm very excited to see where we're coming from. Dirk, were you a little nervous when I gave you the perimeters 
within uh, that you had to work within? Uh, yeah, actually, at first, I was very thrown off because I was like, what could I possibly have watched this year that took that was made before 2000? And then suddenly I had a list of like 25 things that I yes. had seen that I was like, oh, I guess I, yeah, I, I can do this. Uh, I was a little, I, I'm an avid listener to your podcast. So I've heard the three of you talk about films in very articulate and intelligent ways. So I was a little nervous to uh, to be brought on for this, but I, I have a list and I've, I've copied intelligent thoughts from other people to say for myself. <laughs> so I'm ready to go. Wonderful. Um, Vinny and Kristen, are you, were, were you, um, reluctant to do this at all i know vinny used to used to do the list for brian for his I used to do that, yeah yeah i've done a few times for brian yeah yeah so easy peasy good and Kristen, were you were no you okay? i mean i'm not it's just like this is like a sampling <laughs> of of favorites i watched for the first time this year this is not like i'm it's loosey-goosey it's sure. just some movies I saw that I liked. We don't need to like top 10 it or anything like that. It's just uh it's just the movies I liked. So no problem. This is no, it's definitive. These no, are no, no. no, everything else that you watched gets thrown into a fire and is is lost forever. So just FYI, you guys. Um But the the pre I feel like the pre 2000 is gonna like maybe next year it will be like pre 2004. I feel like 20 years is like a good time to like let movies digest in the culture and like think back on them. If you say so, oh, you're the boss. I mean, I mean, you're the boss of the, I am the, the boss. boss. Yeah, that's true. So I guess uh, next year when we do this, it's 2004 and before. Right. Uh, Noted Dirk, now. Will, will you be okay with that? 2004 and uh, before that? Yeah, yeah. As long as we record on a Wednesday because I'm booked otherwise. So. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Man, you plan. I thought I planned ahead. Goodness. Uh, okay. In my house <laughs> is that I have an appointment because I never have anything scheduled really. And so <laughs> I, I'm constantly using the, the wet, hot American summer, like, you know, the <laughs> black line. And it always trips up my my wife's mother. She's always like, well, we can't do it then because Dirk said he has a thing. And everyone's like, he <laughs> always says that. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's get right into this, Dirk, since you are our esteemed guest and colleague. How would you like to go first? Sure. Okay, great. Just so go, go first. Okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, so I did number mine. I did fuss about this a lot. Um, Good. Only because I love personal lists. I love hearing when something really impacted someone in a major way. So my number one is is huge for me. So it is very different than my number 10. I understand we didn't have to do it that way. I just like the added pressure for myself. <laughs> so my number 10 is Battle for the Lost Planet. This is from 1985 or six, depending on where you see online. Uh, it's directed by Brett Piper, who also directed Nymphoid Barbarian and Dinosaur Hell, everyone's favorite movie. Um, the synopsis is, <laughs> after hijacking a space shuttle, a spy finds that the controls are malfunctioning and he sees an alien spaceship approaching Earth. He then has to fight these mutant pigmen, and pigmen, sorry. And uh, yeah, I'd seen the movie uh, Mutant, mutant war which was a sequel to this 
but I had never seen Battle for the Lost Planet. And they're both available on a Blu-ray thanks to, I think, Vinegar Syndrome. And, you know, growing up in a video store, like the sci-fi section was packed full of these kind of quote unquote schlocky or low budget sci-fi things. And I find them so comforting. And to so to get to see one that's dreaming so big with no budget whatsoever, the cool like weird optical effects, the Ray Harryhausen on a shoestring budget, but like claymation stuff, it just really like works for me. And I just had so much fun. I felt like a kid again. So that's uh, that's my number 10 pick. Great. Uh, never have I ever heard of this. And that's why I'm excited to hear the rest of your picks, because this is what I expect from you. Uh, Kristen, Vinny. Uh, a couple of Brett Piper fans, are you? I don't think I've seen any Brett Piper movies. Although the mm. covers are all very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> looking now. Yeah, that's what caught me with Mutant War. But like, it has different actors. So it, I just didn't know it was a sequel to anything. So um, this movie itself, Battle for the Lost Planet, is really kind of stands on its own. And I think uh, if you like seeing those kinds of like where they paint the inlay and kind of put it into the frame and you're like, there's a castle and your brain instantly goes, that's not really there. <laughs> but I, I love that stuff. So I, I thought it was super creative and super fun. Uh, Vinny, have you seen any of these movies? I've not, I mean, I, I, I I've, never, not, I've never heard, heard of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine you're into this sort of thing. Not quite. Not quite. Uh, I have to say, this mysterious planet from 1982 mm-hmm. kind of got to see that based on the cover of this uh, <laughs> shiny, muscly guy. Yeah. Um, really digging that. Uh, there's, it's one, see- there's one called Queen Crab. Yeah, that's 2015 <laughs> or five. Two, I oh, just really? thought, oh, that I looks that. like it'll be <laughs> real bad. Yeah, I to, to that that's going into the digital realm and then yeah. things aren't aren't as charming. Right. <laughs> charming. God, what a great word. Yeah, exactly. Uh it looks like um if you don't have the Blu-ray, Battle for the Lost Planet is also streaming on Tubi TV. Um man, it's January and February. I always kind of feel um like watching more like schlocky exploitation movies. So this is going on the watch list, Dirk. Thank you for that. This is uh very interesting. Yeah, so what you're saying is it, it's the best movie you've ever seen. No. And so for my list, it's really like more so how I saw them and what I was bringing to this viewing experience more sure. so than like, this is the best science fiction movie of all time. It's not, but it just reminds me so much of when I was a kid and I would pull something off the shelf and put it in and be like, okay, there's pigmen, there's spaceships, this is entertainment, okay. And uh, and there's sometimes effects where you just are like, that's really creative. So I got to give them props for that. Um, so yeah, it's just, uh, it's a comfort pick, if you will. Fabulous. I watched it twice, so. Well, can't be that bad then. Um, Vinny, do you remember when we did our modern cult movies earlier in mm-hmm. 2022 and Dirk sent in his picks? Do you remember, like, Dirk, do you remember the five that you named for the modern cult movies? Like, they were the most, no. uh, like, obscure sounding stuff. And that was, like, the first taste of, uh, that I got of your, uh, sort of leaning when it comes to films. And I was like, oh, this is very uh, fascinating. 
And so that's why I was really excited to get you on for, for the discoveries episode. Anyways. Um, all right, Kristen, Vinny, me, who, who's going? I think it's the boss. It's the boss. All right, boss, you're up. Embrace it, Kristen. <laughs> I feel like I should get something out of it. I'm going to be called the boss, but. Um... Aren't you getting all the extra Patreon money? Oh, yeah. The I thousands bought, of I... dollars that's coming in? <laughs> I'm paying a dollar to listen <laughs> to Patreon. <laughs> Uh, okay, my first pick is Truck Turner from yeah. 1974, directed by Jonathan Kaplan. This movie, I didn't, I had like kind of heard it was on my list for a while. Um, and I had kind of heard it was fun, but like not too often. And I don't know, it was like really fun. <laughs> it's like Isaac Hayes. Um, and Alan Weeks are bounty hunters in LA and they're trying to, uh, hunt down this guy, Gator, who's skipped bail. And it's just like a really, I didn't know I wanted like an Isaac Hayes buddy movie, but I did. (laughs) And they're just like running, running around LA and it was just fun the whole time. I feel like it's like an easy watch. Um, I would watch it again anytime. Truck Turner, man. <laughs> uh, I've never seen Truck Turner. It's been on my watch list forever. Uh, Dirk, Truck Turner, big fan, yeah. little yeah, fan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's very fun. I, I, I love like when you said truck at first. I was like, I haven't seen Truck, and then you said Turner, and I was like, Oh yes, <laughs> I'm so excited that you're talking about this movie. Um, I haven't seen it in a long time, but just you reminding me of it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna 100 watch it. I think I watched it during like June exploitation or something. I think that's why. Yeah. Um let's see. What I don't know if I've seen other Jonathan Kaplan movies. Have I no? Over the Edge. Over the Edge. I've seen Over the Edge. That's Over the it. Edge and then he did uh Mr. Billion. Uh, Mr. Billion. What's what's Mr. Billion? It's Terrence Hall trying to make it in America. I'm probably the only person that's seen that movie. Okay. I don't know why I said it like it was like a known. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Billion, obviously. Mr. Billion. Uh, he also did. Um, oh, I've uh, seen Broke Down Palace like a million years ago. I just remember that movie. And Girls of the White Orchid, which is in. Where's it at? You got the, it. The Primetime Panic. Oh, Death Ride to Osaka. The Fun City, um, uh, Prime I ha- Time Panic. I have so, that. I just have not watched it yet. That's a really good one. I haven't. I haven't seen Freedom yet, which is the Joe Sargent one. But Dreams Don't Die is really good, and Death Ride to Osaka is really fucking good. Cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, Truck Turner. Okay. Good one. We're on, we're on a we're on a good road so far. Don't, Vinny. I'm gonna derail it. All right, here we go. Here we go. Okay. How pretentious are we getting right right away? No, it's not, I don't think it's that pretentious. Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll um, but here's my issue is we've done so many Discoveries episodes that I don't know what I've talked about already or not. So if I've talked about this one, just stop me. I'll pick a different one. Uh, it's from 1973. It's from Duchi Otisari, and it's called Big Guns or Tony Arzenta, starring Elaine Delon. Did I talk about this? No. 
You did. Okay. All right. Anyway, basically, it's the it's your typical hitman wants to retire and the mob doesn't want him to kind of movie, but it's Alain Delon, and you know, uh, there's a really uh, shitty version out there, and there's a really good version out there. So you got to make sure you click on the right one. Um, but yeah, it's it's really you know it's a a guy is forced to be involved with the mob that doesn't want to be involved with the mob anymore. So it's very typical story. It's extremely entertaining. It's at 113 minutes, but it doesn't feel like 113 minutes. It's like nonstop thriller, action, crime film. Perfect sweet spot, 70s uh, police crime films. I've, I can't recommend it enough. And Ellen DeLon is, you know, one of those actors that I'll watch do anything. So, but yeah, it's it has like numerous names. There, it has a lot of re-releases, but... I found it under the name Big Guns. Is it, uh, does it have a Blu-ray? Is that how you watched it? No, I watched it on Tubi. There's a version on YouTube that's from a VHS that's probably been used a thousand times. And it looks like crap, but the Tubi one isn't bad. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, Yeah, I've only seen Les Samurai for uh, Alain Delon. And... uh, Need to fix that because obviously, lots of great ones. Um, have Dirk or Kristen have either of you seen Big Guns? Mm-mm. I have not. Tony or Zeta. Um, how many French films do you have on your list, Vinny? I'm gonna limit you to uh, three. No, I'm joking. Really? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was hard. You're just upset by that. <laughs> <laughs> no i mean this is mind. italian and french so okay well then <laughs> it only counts as half okay so i got two and a half deal left. Deal. deal deal i have uh i have a french film on my anyways um okay so i'm going with so here's the deal i have done i did the unsung horrors discoveries episode uh, I'm doing a Discoveries episode with uh, Cultworthy Podcast and Antonio. I'm doing my column for F This Movie, and I'm doing this. So what's happening is the column is going to be my, quote, official Discoveries list. Um, Marty is very upset with me already. I'm sorry. Uh, the column at F This Movie is going to be my official Discoveries list which is going to be sort of an amalgam of all three of the, uh, all three of the podcast episodes. Um, and I'm still trying to figure out what 10 I'm going to put in that, but I'm, because these are pretty hard to, these are really up there. Um, so anyways, uh, first one I'm going to talk about is lifeguard from 1976 and director Daniel Petrie, not to be confused with his son, Daniel Petrie jr. Uh, Lifeguard stars Sam Elliott and uh, Ann Archer and Kathleen Quinlan and uh, Parker Stevenson. It's um, super creepy, and many people would probably hate this movie very, 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 very much. Um, But Sam Elliott is a you know, 30, almost 40 something lifeguard in California. 
and that's just the life he likes he wants and he's been doing it for years and years and this is how he lives and he likes helping people and he likes being out in the sun and you know his parents and his friends expect him to like you have so much potential you could you know be a car salesman you could sell insurance you could go sell other shit and uh he doesn't want to he just wants to be a lifeguard and so this young girl played by kathleen quinlan comes along and uh she is underage and is throwing herself at sam elliott and it's um you know very illegal and everything but uh Ann Archer comes around and she's the grown up woman who is, you know, trying to get Sam Elliott, not necessarily to grow up. She wants him to be happy and do what he wants, but he feels this pressure from her. And um, I don't, it's, I think it's a very charming movie. It's a great, just, you know, fun in the sun beach movie. Sam Elliott is um, especially young. Sam Elliott is so charming and he's funnier and shit. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's really good. You can watch it on, uh, Amazon prime. It's been on there for years and I watched this for, I did, um, one weekend. I, uh, just on a whim, I did a movies from hell marathon and just went through their, their watch list from hell and picked like 10 movies I'd never seen before and, and did a whole weekend marathon and then went on, Bradley wanted me to come on and talk about the movies. And so lifeguard on movies from hell is sort of their running joke uh that like it's such a kind of strange very 1976 movie that does not fly uh today and probably not not doesn't even fly back then but it's still really good i really love this movie and the reason it's on a discoveries list for me is because i can't stop thinking about it and i've watched it twice and uh yeah it's really fun anyone seen lifeguard yeah dirk i watched i watched it because of you you did i you hated it i love no did you really yeah yeah and i don't like sam elliott and i liked it a lot Oh, really? Interesting. Oh, that's blasphemous. Uh, I know, but I don't like him. He's, I don't like. Him oh, I don't think. All. No, I. You know, it's blasphemous if a middle-aged woman says they don't like Sam Elliott. I think that's the rule. Uh, Dirk, being a middle-aged woman, thoughts on yeah. Lifeguard? Yeah, it's great. I I haven't seen it in a number of years, but I saw it. I watched it and Side Out, which is the '80s volleyball movie. I watched those two one night. It was a double feature and um, fun. Yeah, it worked really well. Uh, lifeguard being a better film. Oh, two. cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kristen, have you seen Lifeguard? No. Oh, join I the want club. To. Okay, good. I will. Uh, yeah. Good summer movie. And like, so, you know, like late mm-hmm. summer movie, end of summer, because, you know, it kind of covers the season, right? The beach season. So mm-hmm. really good. Um, all right. Dirk, back to you. Yeah. Okay. This is a movie that maybe you've all seen and i was just really slow to discovering it but this is my number nine is kung fu master from 1988 by agnes barda what really yeah yeah i have oh, not okay. seen it uh the synopsis 
Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> Mary Jane, a lonely mother in her 40s, gets absorbed in a sentimental affair with a 14-year-old boy. So it's kind of funny that you picked Lifeguard and then I have <laughs> Boom Master. Let's just go after um, the kids. Damn 14-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I just really, I, I like her movies a lot. And I somehow had missed this. And so it just, I knew it was going to be on if I did any kind of discovery list. I found it really endearing. I found it... You know, obviously controversial, but because Agnes made it, I I just think it's really, it approaches like sort of how we all kind of find relationships rather than just this one character. Um, it's kind of sad. And I think sometimes that's what we need in life. And so when I pressed play on, on Kung Fu Master, I, it just completely uh, won me over. So if you're not scared by the concept, I think anybody should uh, should give it a shot. Wow, is is this part of the uh, the Varda box set from Criterion? Anyone? Yeah, it's in there. It is. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and it's okay. It's on the uh, Criterion channel too. It, okay. Yeah. Uh, Dirk, why is it called Kung Fu Master? That's the video game that he uh, wants to beat. Gotcha. So she like goes to arcades looking for the game so he can play it, and he's like, "It's there's so many funny little like odd odd moments. I don't know. It's." It's good, I think. We'll Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Vinny, fan? I am a fan, yeah. And yeah. I also like the boy is played by her son. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, I, find yeah. I like that she has her son play the lead male role, at least, in a film about a teenager with someone in their 40s. So that's always very interesting that just the thought of her directing that <laughs> is, you know, odd. But she was odd. Yes. Yeah. But it has, and I, and I like the, uh, what I really liked about this movie is the way that it shows like this sort of like urban life mm-hmm. yeah. that you don't see a lot in her films, like that kind of urban life. Yeah. But yeah, Kung Fu Master was a good one. Yeah. I, I, so of course this year was my French New Wave year, right? And, uh, watched a lot of Varda and I, I'd seen, uh, uh, a few, Agnes films before and just loved them. I remember when I watched Gleaners and I for the first time, like five years ago, I was like, whoa, fuck, like just blowing my mind. So, uh, this is fascinating. I love this. I, uh, this is one I'd never even heard of before. And a so, title you'd expect on my list of discoveries, but you wouldn't expect it would be an Agnes. Yeah. Part of movie. <laughs> exactly. That's why I was like, oh, is that a Jackie Chan movie? And then you're like, Agnes, what? No, get out of here. Good times. All right, Dirk, thank you. Kung Fu Master, Jackie Chan's Kung Fu Master, directed by Agnes Varda, right? Uh, Okay, to the boss for her number nine. This is the definitive number nine movie. I'm joking. Kristen, your next movie you'd like to speak of. (laughs) Um, Okay, this year I watched all of the Once Upon a Time in China movies, and so I needed to pick at least one to represent them all so i'm picking once upon a time in china 2 from 1992 directed by choi hark um so these movies follow are like basically the adventures of wong fei hung who's like a pharmacist from the late 1800s in china um and they the 
the first two i think the first two are probably my favorite but they all deal with like um the different uh groups of people in china at that time and just how they are relating to each other so the english and the chinese and the like um there's like people aligned with the emperor like you know all this (laughs) political stuff and then um there so this one number two involves more than one of these movies involves a xenophobic cult but number two's cult i think is a is like a little bit mystical and they have like powers um and it's kung it's like they're all kung fu movies they start two of them no three of them maybe more star jet lee um a bunch are directed by Choi hark then he like went away for a while and then came back um and then i think maybe is it four and five star vincent zhao as wang fei hung instead of jet li and then jet li comes back the only one i don't recommend is once upon a time in america which is the last one and one that on the the criterion release it lists like one through six and then once upon a time in America is on there, but it's like a special feature. Like they're like ashamed <laughs> that they weren't putting it on the, the disc or something. And then I was like, why is this like this? And I was like, oh, it's because this movie is not very good. But uh, once upon a time in time in China too, recommend. Interesting. So uh, speaking of our modern cult movies episode, Vinny, Mike Scott had recommended once upon in China. The first one. So once upon a time in China. Uh, so yeah. I, and I still haven't good seen, too. yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen, I had no idea there were six, five plus, plus a bad one. Maybe six plus a bad one. Jesus. I'm uh, not sure. <laughs> and I, I had always considered getting that box set from Criterion, but I was like, eh, just for two movies. I don't want that. I didn't realize there were so many yeah, damn movies. There's seven movies on there. Jesus. All right. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, Vinny, do you have the box set? I do not. No. You don't. I've only seen the first one. Uh, do you like it? I liked it. Yeah. It was yeah. huge. When I worked at the video store, it was like one of those movies that was like always being rented. Oh, really? Like Interesting. For some reason, like, you know, 15, 20 years after it came out, it was always being rented. Wow. Do, do you remember it being rented a lot at your video store, Dirk? No, we didn't have it. Oh, you didn't have it. No. Interesting. Yeah, have... we didn't have a great selection of of anything, I would say, foreign films. It's sure. <laughs> like anything not from the States. It was a mom and pop shop, so we were pretty limited in what we had. So yeah. I had to go other places, but I did go um, and rent. I've seen only the first three. But now that I know these other ones exist because of how my brain works, now I have to go watch them all and probably own them. So thanks. Right. Uh, so I, I'd like to say that I also watched a Joy Hawk movie this year. And it was uh, the prestigious double team starring Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman. Southern theaters. Did you? Wow. I remember mm-hmm. I wanted to see it in theaters, but my parents wouldn't take me. They're like, no, why would yeah. we pay money to see that? Absolutely not. 
And then I watched it this year and I, I also, thought, yeah, thanks. I'm glad they did not spend money to see it. I haven't seen that, but I did watch Knock Off this year, which is another Joy Hark movie. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess, man, I need to uh, sit down in 2023, the year of Once Upon a Time in China, one through six, maybe seven. Yeah, you can skip it. Okay, I'll skip it. Uh, wonderful. Thank you, Kristen. On to you, Vinny. All right. So this is from 1962, and it's a French film uh, uh, directed by Henri Vornoy, and it's A Monkey in Winter. And it's uh, Jean Gabin and Jean-Paul Bamondo, and they're pretty much just drinking and talking. That's pretty much the whole movie. So Gabin plays this guy that goes on a drinking binge during World War II, and it's like a seaside town, and it's bombed. And he runs home to his wife, and she's, you know, their town just got bombed, and he promises her he's never going to drink again. And he doesn't drink for years, but he becomes more and more miserable. Um, And then Belmondo shows up, and they start partying together. And uh, he kind of finds the joy in life again. And uh, it's great. It's fantastic. It's on uh, Criterion Channel. There are import Blu-rays that don't have English subtitles if you are fluent in French. Um, but it's, yeah, it's it's really just one of my favorite, uh, you know, it's a drinking movie. So it's just two guys sitting at a bar drinking for pretty much 90 of the 105 minutes. Like, a monkey in winter. Like funny drinking or like sad, depressing drinking? Mostly funny. Okay. Um, there are sad, depressing moments because it's, you know, He's thinking about mistakes that have happened in his life, but it's Belmondo, so it can't be too sad. Sure. They go dancing and things like that. Oh, good. Uh, Never seen a Gabin, but I did watch a handful of Belmondo this year. Uh, Kristen, fan? Was that the who? I love a Jean Gabin. Yeah. What's your favorite Jean Gabin? Oh, probably the... (laughs) What's that movie called? (laughs) Touche Paolo Green. Um the oh damn it. Sorry, the Grand Illusion. Phew. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Left my brain. Oh, I almost watched the Sicilian clan today because they just added it on Criterion. I almost pushed plan that shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well yeah, he was great for like 50 years. So you got oh. a lot to choose from. Yeah. Also, there's a certain type of like newsboy hat that my New Zealand film professor used to refer to as a Jean Gabin hat, and now I call that hat a Jean Gabin hat. Wonderful. So, that's uh, my way of thinking of Jean Gabin in daily life. <laughs> uh, Dirk, are you a fan of uh, French cinema? Or, oh, yeah. Or fluent in French cinema? No, not fluent, I wouldn't say. It's very random and body the yeah. things that i've that i've seen um but i mean i love what i've seen of french cinema i took french for a number of years so i i can actually understand it way better than i can speak it yep. which is pretty fun to like not, not look at the subtitles mm-hmm. and be like oh i can i get what they're saying i yeah, get what's yeah. happening yeah so yeah i do enjoy french but i just don't get enough um push to to seek it unless i'm seeking genres which i do a lot of times i'll just each year look up like French action, French sci-fi, French horror, like just trying sure. to find stuff that's not the same 20 movies on every list. So um, 
Yeah, but I have not seen this. Uh, just looking at the two guys' faces, I'm very excited to check it out. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Vinny, I'm kind of um, going to try to piggyback off of you this year and, and try try to at least up my percentage of uh, foreign language films. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably won't get above 50%, but um, I think because I'm really excited, like my my little toe dip within... French New Wave last year really made me excited about French movies. And then um, uh, I, Kristen and Vinny, for you, I am going to get into Japanese period cinema. Okay? I'm gonna love samurai movies. I mean, don't force it, man. I'm going to, Kristen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, I, I hope to. I, I saw Lindsay Wilkins today. The first movie she watched was Seven Samurai. And I was like, fuck, fine, I'll watch like it. That? Jesus. That was the first movie I watched like two years ago. Just seemed like a good like New Year's Day movie. Oh, well, then I guess I'll wait till 2024, January 1st. Oh, I mean, <laughs> there's no rules. Okay, no rules, no rules, no rules. Um, okay, so that was A Monkey in Winter from Vinny. My next movie is a Woody Allen movie from 1978 called Interiors. And these are movies I, I've probably mentioned at least some of these during our little, you know, uh, month in reviews episodes. Uh, anyways, Interiors is, um, not funny at all it's not a comedy and this is this is what convinced me okay i so much prefer woody's dramatic movies to his comedic movies and we've talked about that i think Vinny and i talked about that here um but this is uh this is like an ultimate sad vember movie family gets together uh at mom and dad's beachside house and it's uh geraldine page and Krista Griffith, Mary Beth Hurt, Diane Keaton, and then E.G. Marshall and Maureen Stapleton are mom and dad. And um, after, you know, decades of being married, mom and dad are splitting up because dad, E.G. Marshall, has um, a mistress. And um, Sam Waterston is is in this he plays husband or boyfriend i can't remember of uh, mary beth hurt i think um anyways it is so fucking good um i know what like my wife i've talked about this before my wife can't stand woody allen movies because of the comedy uh so i think if you know uh if you are able to watch a Woody Allen movie, um, but you don't like his comedies, give his dramas uh, a chance because I think they're very different. They're they're you know very human, um, but I really dug this one. You know, it's it's an affluent you know white family again on the East Coast, uh, but man, the performances are just the fucking best uh diane keaton is so so good in this mary beth hurt too is like um uh, she has a little monologue that brought me to tears in this movie but uh anyways it's really really good 
um, might be my favorite Woody Allen movie. No, I'd have to sort of look through, but yeah, that's how much I, I loved it. Um, fans, anyone seen interiors here? I have Vinny. You like it? He's good. He's good. good. He's good. It's good. Kristen, Dirk, interiors. No, I have not seen it. Dirk, right up your alley, it seems like. I have seen it. Oh, uh, you have seen it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you know, like a lot of people, or maybe not, but I saw um, Annie Hall, and then I was like, who is this guy? I got to watch all this stuff. So I watched the comedies, I watched the dramas, I watched everything that was probably out up until 94 or so. Maybe three or four would have been. Um, and then I watched some things up into the 2000s. But I, yeah, it just became one of those directors or entities that I wanted to know more about. And, you know, with other things about the gentleman right. later. I, uh, but yeah, I, I did see see this movie. And I like the I like the dramedies. I, I'm, I like the comedies as well. So I kind of it works for me both ways. I, the yeah, neurotic I, mean, kinda, I think it's, it's a flavor. So it's for some people. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, it's a, it's a characterization, uh, character, character, what am I saying? Charcuterie. 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 Caricature. (laughs) It's a caricature of East Coast, you know, personalities, usually East Coast Jews, right? Um, That are very cartoonish and and charcuterie based. Dirk, to you. (laughs) Okay. uh, Number eight. This was almost uh, the stray cat rock mechanical animal, but at the last second I had to just switch it. So it's Ilya Muromets, AKA Sword and the Dragon from 1956. Um, picked this up this year. I've never been, a, I knew like genre Russian films, definitely post 2000s, but I did not know anything about their 50s, 60s, 70s cinema. So this was the first time for me. It, uh, directed by Alexander Puchko. The synopsis is, because his legs have been paralyzed since birth, Boris Andrichev can only help watching uh, the village as it's plundered by barbarians. But when a mysterious traveler gives him magical elixir that restores him to health, Ilya begins an adventure to protect his village. And one of the things I found so charming about this is the effects, and it's for, you know, 1956. There's sequences in this that I don't know how they did it, which is really cool for 2022. You know, um, there's a part where he rides his horse up. All the soldiers have to make a pile and he rides his horse up the pile of soldiers. And it broke my brain. I like had to watch all, I had to watch the movie two times. I had to listen to the commentary. I had to check out all the supplements. And anytime that happens, I think that's the sign of a movie that like, it got you. It got into your skin. It made you want to know more. It, it, you didn't just put it on the shelf and forget about it. So, um, and I'm excited to check out more Russian films, whether they be based on other folklore or what. So um, that's Ilya Meromets. Was this Def Crocodile's first release? Yes. Like, blew me away. Out of the bag, they like were screaming. And they're like two of the nicest guys in the world. They will interact with you online. They're super nice. And then, of course, with. Um, uh, uh, King Solomon, which was their really big release last year. Um, but so this is interesting. Um, I had no idea 
because I'm not big into like sword and sorcery or sword and sandals type of movies. Um, so I don't know. There's like a multi-headed dragon thing in this that's very like, I mean, it's like, 1956 rudimentary, but it's so fun in my opinion. And all the weird effects just make it super charming. And, and the fact that it's, I don't know. I, well, I, that was I, the other thing. I didn't realize it was from 1956, which kind yeah. of makes it more interesting. I want to see how they do this stuff. So, um, mm -hmm. Chris or Vinny, did either of you pick up this release? I no. did. I had to. Yeah. I just saw yeah. a still from it, and I'm like, yeah, I got it. I have to see what that's all about. Did you I watch it watched yet? It yet. It's, in yeah. the, it's in the pile. It's It will be watched this month. But yeah, it's I I saw the list. I'm like, what is that? And I saw a still, and I'm like, yeah, I, I have to buy that. Like, I don't know. I don't even care what it's about. I have to buy it. Interesting. So Kristen, it will be you... viewed soon. Have you seen it? What? Or did you get it? No, I haven't seen it. I'm interested in Are watching you... a horse ride up a pile of Yes. People. I mean, hello. That's selling it. <laughs> Dirk, well done. Uh, so by the time this episode comes out, which is this coming Sunday, it'll be too late for the listeners. But did you guys see what Vinegar Syndrome is doing this week? The 10 for 10? deal like they're selling slipcover blu-rays 10 bucks a piece and they reload 10 different ones what? every day so me this. i know <laughs> but you can't you can't like bundle or add to order you have to order it you know that day so yeah it's really dangerous and they didn't ask, oh, i mean i didn't see them advertise <laughs> i saw ocn was advertising it but Anyways, yeah. Sorry, my bad. Uh, <laughs> that's your Christmas bonus. Money goes towards <laughs> that. Um, okay. Kristen, do you have a um, horse climbing up a dead uh, pile of dead bodies movie on your list? No. They're alive. Oh, they're alive. Uh, alive. alive. That's alive. even more impressive. <laughs> just form a mountain with their bodies, and then he just rides his horse up it. It's crazy. Okay, so do you? Would it be possible that uh, that's um? Oh, what's that shitty zombie movie with Brad Pitt? The World War Z, where they sort of you know the zombies make make a hill themselves to climb up the wall. So this yeah, is that's the OG. I call, I call that. Ilya Muromets 2 is what I call it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's bullshit. That movie sucks, by the way. Um, okay. Boss, to you. Okay. My next movie is Drunken Angel from 1948 by Akira Kurosawa. We talked about this a bit, a little bit, maybe briefly on our Toshiro Mifune cult movie stars um episode as one it's just like another one i'm i watched before we watched the two we picked um but this was a movie i'd never heard of a kurosawa movie i've never heard of that i just really was into <laughs> um it's a, a pretty young mifune and takashi shimura who's also in like what Hot, I mean, hot, they're hot all hot mafune. We've discussed. Wait, oh yeah, yeah. All, all mafune is hot mafune. Right? <laughs> he's, he's been hot forever. Um, uh, so Takashi Shimura is uh, a doctor who's also like an alcoholic, and 
Mufune's character comes in. He's a, he's like a young gangster, and he comes in with like a gunshot wound, and I guess there's like a tuberculosis outbreak or something. For some reason, the doctor checks him for uh, tuberculosis too, I think, and then figures out he has that, and then the, he's like, you know, young Mafune, young gangster Mafune is upset and doesn't want to deal with it and it's just the two of them being like you know uh stubborn personalities (laughs) trying to i mean the doctor's trying to help uh the gangster character and neither of them is like uh willing to concede at all Mm. and so it's just this uh this struggle and i think before i said i just love like just love grumpy love like <laughs> like these two guys they're just trying to love each other but they're too grumpy um, and it's just I, it's a delight uh okay so here it is okay japanese cinema getting into it this year it's not it's not a samurai movie right well i know that makes me like okay i'll watch this one for sure also pretty early on there's like Mifune is like in the doctor's office and then I don't know if he it was like oh I'm gonna examine you or what happens but there's like a cut and then Mifune is sitting there with his shirt off and you're like oh I didn't expect that (laughs) (laughs) so just like brace yourself okay (laughs) for that reveal is what I'm saying okay if that interests you (laughs) obviously it interests all of us Kristen please Put that uh, in the trailer. Okay, put it in the trailer. Um, Dirk, are you? Have you seen a bunch of Kurosawa? You have, okay. Yeah. Fan? Yeah. A big fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My, I have a favorite. Do you want to hear my favorite? Yes, of course. Throne of Blood. My favorite. Oh. I love okay. Throne of Blood. <sighs> Fine. Yeah, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> I'm going to watch it, goddammit. Because there's arrows it. in it. There's. <laughs> He hates no, arrows. I hate hates arrows. Them. Really hate arrows. God, do you know how much I hate Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? So many arrows. <laughs> joking. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Come on. Um, Drunken Angel. Excellent. What were the two that we watched? Snow Trail. What was the we other one? We watched Snow Trail and... Rickshaw Man. Rickshaw <laughs> Man. Oh, yeah. Which the more we talked about it, the less I liked it. Yeah. And see, the more we That's talked why about it. I didn't the... even remember it. Oh, the more I liked it. Interesting. Okay. Um, <laughs> I just like the way he runs in it. You know. Like he has he giant... does yeah. he does have a funny run. Right. I like it. I run. mean, if you like Mufune running, mm-hmm. which we all should, there's plenty. There's plenty of maybe that's your way into the samurai movie. It's just maybe a super cut of samurai mafune running because he's great at it he's one of the best he's truly he's a he's a great he's a great runner um okay Vinny, you've expired all your french movies so good luck to you no i i still have two and a half left okay one and a half left this this one is not french this is a uh american comedy from 1938 
starring Edward G. Robinson, and that is A Slight Case of Murder. Slight Case of Murder. Never uh, heard of it. Anything? Never heard of it. Okay, so Edward G. Robinson plays a bootlegger who tries to go legit and uh, pretty much can't. And he's pretty he's hiding um, in his summer home, and there's a dead body, and he's supposed to be this reformed gangster uh, for his daughter and his daughter's uh, fiance, and there's a all of his gang members there are with him, and they, it's a really funny cast, and there's a dead body. And he's trying to be like, oh, no, I'm a brewer now. I'm not a bootlegger anymore. And it's, you know, the dead, they have to keep hiding the dead body, things like that. Very, very funny movie. I like um, Edward G. Robinson playing again, like making fun of his gangster films, like a few years later, doing these comedies. It's like one of my favorite little things that he did. Like uh, um, for this one, it's just like a caricature of Edward G. Robinson is like a Looney Tunes version of one of his gangster roles. And he's having a blast with it. This actually takes place in the town that is right down the street from me. So a lot of the exterior like uh, references are, you know, real places. So that's pretty cool for me personally. Um, but yeah, it's it's a funny movie. It's like a Weekend at Bernie's ish, almost, uh, <laughs> you know, Arsenic and Old Lace, that kind of dark comedy, but really, really broad. And uh, yeah, Edward G. Robinson is hilarious in this movie. So A Slight Case of Murder by Lloyd Bacon, not a French film. Lloyd Bacon, the who is that? 42nd Street, right? Musical. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah, like I, I watched Brother Orchid, I think two years ago, but he's sort of doing that too. I probably not as it's that's not it's more heartfelt. I feel like Brother Orchid is more heartfelt than um, probably a slight case of murder would be, but uh, I do like I think Edward G. Robinson is funnier and shit because you're so used mm-hmm. to you know his his gangster right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so excellent. Have uh, Dirk or Kristen have either of you seen this? Mm-mm. No, no. Okay, then watch I don't know it. If it's streaming or anything? Doesn't look like it. Wow. Where where did you? DVD. I have it. You have I have the DVD. Okay. So you All can right. More if you want. Okay. Yes. Everyone, and then we can go see the exteriors that they talk about in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> go down the street. It's a whole trip. It's great. Sounds like a blast. So you can tell by the look on my face. Sounds like a real blast. Dirk, we're back to you for oh. number six. Seven. 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 Definitive seven. number seven. Uh-huh. Doberman. No. Oh, Anthony, you have to go. Anthony. Anthony. Oh, oh yeah. You skipped yourself. <laughs> you fool. Guys. Was yours same as Vinny's? That's why you skipped it? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> well, he also had a slight case of murder. <laughs> uh, yeah, Vinny took mine. Um, okay. Sorry. How about... I guess I gotta get a new one here, then. Um... I watched my first Vim Vendors movie this year. Ooh. It's from 1977. It's called The American Friend. Starring Dennis Hopper and Bruno Ganz. And um, even more than the movie, I think the story of like them, of 
how Bruno and Dennis Hopper hated each other and they ended up like just brawling on the set and Vim Vendors was just like, no, 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 no. Let him go. Let him work it out. Uh, so I typically like can't concentrate or get into movies that I watch on an airplane, but boy, did this one suck me in. So it was, we, I watched this. Um, I, I don't know if I ever talked about it on the podcast, but like our na- nightmarish journey trying to get home from our summer vacation in Myrtle Beach. Four flights were canceled. We were stuck in Charlotte, North Carolina for three days and we were out of clothes and it was a whole fucking nightmare. Um, and so maybe uh, some of the joy of just sitting on a plane knowing that I'm finally fucking flying home uh, fed into this. But there's no denying this is a great movie. I also wanted to watch it because uh, this year, 2023, we start cracking into books two and three of cult movies. And the American friend is in one of those. I can't remember which one is it. And I hadn't seen it yet. So uh, I watched it on the plane because I had downloaded this and uh, a Wong Kar Wai movie. I can't even remember which one. Um, and wow jesus christ is this a good movie uh can i assume we've all seen this yes yes uh so obviously i'm very late to the party but um bruno gans is so uh quiet and like when he's not talking you seem to love him even more in this which is fascinating to me but um he's like a picture framer right i think and um dennis hopper plays this uh, maybe shysty american guy that comes over to to germany and um gets this you know this thing at an auction this painting or picture at an auction and then takes it to bruno gans to have him frame it and uh they get he gets wrapped up in criminal activities, we'll say. And it just, it's, it's like a, uh, a slow cooker pressure boiler or pressure, pressure, a slow pressure cooker. And by the end, <laughs> when they're in the car, it, I'm just like, yes, like there's no other outcome. Like how else could anyone react to like having like your life fucking collapse. Right. Um, so anyways, I, I know it's for anyone that has not seen that it's very, um, uh, probably doesn't make any sense, but I highly recommend this movie. Go and watch it immediately. Uh, there's the criterion disc. It's on the criterion channel. Um, but this is, it makes me excited to watch more of him vendors this year. And I know Matt Bledsoe, um, what's, Oh, Paris, Texas was on his discoveries list. So, um, uh, it was just a, a Vim Vendors year for he and I, and we bonded over that, and uh, maybe we smooched a little, but that's for another time. So anyways, The American Friend from 1977. It's uh, a good one. It is a good one. Is there anyone here that doesn't like The American Friend? I hope not. Oh, God, Kristen. Wow, Kristen, what's your No, problem? I like okay. it. I love Vim Vendors. He's the best. Um, 
Okay, which which Vim vendors do I watch next? Is the question. Mm, I mean, you can't really go wrong with Paris, Texas, but okay, yeah, Paris, it's practically Texas. perfect. All right, practically <laughs> perfect. Interesting. Or the okay. Road Trilogy. Yeah, I love the Road Trilogy. Road Trilogy is what? It's three films he made uh, from like seventy five to seventy seven, about. And they're all road movies. Mm-hmm. Is that that it's you like can a, get a you get like a Criterion box of that, right? It's right a box that you have all yeah. three. Okay, it's like Alice in the Cities, um, Kings of the Road, Kings of the Road, and uh, Brain Fart. <laughs> Vim Vendor's Road Movie Number Three. A it's mystery is the last. Oh my one. god, I can't think of the name of it. Is it the Salt of the Earth? No. no. I don't know what the other one is. Okay, it is Wings of Desire. No. It is no. Alice the <laughs> Alice in the Cities. Alice in the Cities. Till the world peanuts. ends. Until the end of the world. Wrong move. Wrong move. Yeah. Damn it. Huh. He did Buena Vista Social Club. Friend. I have seen a Vim Vendors movie that I've, I've seen. I saw Buena Vista Social Club when it came out. That was a long Wings time of ago. Desire was the first one that I saw. Yeah. Um, that was like the big one for the, the crowd that I was in that age. Yeah, I saw Until the End of the World because Depeche Mode had a song on the soundtrack. Yeah. Nice. That says a lot about me. So. <laughs> Depeche Mode doing the Dick Clark New Year's Rock and Eve I saw last night. For a second, we flipped past. Really? Yeah. Depeche Mode. Yeah. Like now? Oh no, not Depeche Mode. It. Uh, who did Hungry? Hungry like a wolf. Duran Duran. There we go. Big not Depeche Mode. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be. I, I'd rather. Well, actually, I, I love Duran Duran, but um, that's a completely different sort of New Year's Eve. Uh, okay. Now, Dirk, it's your turn. Oh, great. Doberman from 1997. Doberman. Yeah. So it's directed by Jan Coonan. Uh, the synopsis is uh, Doberman is the world's most ruthless bank robber with his gang robbing bank after bank in Paris. Um, it's a crime movie. It's post Pulp Fiction. It's super 90s. Vincent Cassell and Monica Bellucci are absolutely gorgeous. Um, it just, I hadn't heard of it. I was gonna, before you gave me these constraints from the 2000s, talk about blueberry aka renegade which is the film he did in 2004 which is a crazy western i know you like westerns so if you haven't seen that I one do. Out, but i'm gonna let put it on the list so doberman was uh something that i was delighted to see and somehow I'd, I'd missed it um and i want to start a campaign now to have vincent cassell now sort of thought of as the french nicholas cage if we could because He's thought of for these big, wild, crazy characters, but he's also sense. funny and dramatic, right? It kind of works. Yeah, works. I like it. I like it. I think you're right, Dirk. Um, yeah, God, I this like I really fell in love with Vincent Cassell this year too, because there's another, or maybe it's. Uh, oh no, I'm gonna talk about it on the after show. But uh, yeah, I'm with you. He's fucking amazing. I've never heard of Doberman. I've Always never seen great. a. Uh, Jan Koonen. Never seen mm-hmm. one of his movies. Oh my uh, god, this movie looks great. Yeah, it's so really, really fun. I didn't expect much from it, which is 
great when you push play on something and you instantly kind of like, oh, you sit back a little bit. Like, this is a higher caliber than what I expected. And um, it's is, very fun. Is there a Blu-ray of this? Did you watch it streaming uh, I, or rent it? it on YouTube. YouTube, okay. There's a still that I'm looking at right now. And it's Monica Bellucci and she has really, really big hair. Yeah. Black mask, a leather jacket, and a gun with like a rocket launcher attachment. Yeah. Oh, that's correct. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so it's not which subtle. I don't think I was not expecting to see Monica Bellucci in that kind of movie. So I need to see this. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. It's it's very fun, which is why it's like higher up on my list than than the Russian film. Wow. Fascinating. And there is a there is a Blu-ray. Yeah, I'll be getting that for sure. Um, so were they French Blu-ray and a German Blu-ray? Were they together during this time? Do you, do you know? Do you know any of the juicy gossip, Bellucci and Cassell, because they were <laughs> what, married, goss. right? You know any of the hot goss, Dirk? No, I don't. The hot I didn't French know we goss. Were be gossing. I should have looked it up. This is probably this is probably where they met because they were married in '99. Oh, okay, yeah, '97. So. All right. Got to see, got to see the impetus of the relationship. So you got to see Doberman. Uh, fabulous, great choice, Dirk. To Kristen, number seven. Yes. Okay. So I think I watched twelve Frederick Wiseman movies this year. You got twelve. Um, I, I watched the i watched the store for a second time i'd seen it before and i watched model and then i went back and started from the beginning of his filmography so i'm not quite back up to model yet but my choice is model from 1981 it was my first time seeing it and he i mean there's a couple there's definitely a few i kind of picked and i recommend pretty much all of them but model is his um he's like documenting basically fashion models um for and the the work that goes into um modeling and photography for magazines and tv commercials and so it's a lot of different you know model environments but the 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 added bonus of this subject is that Wiseman gets to like comment more about the construction of images which is like everything that he is doing and so you just get a little a little extra with the, with this topic and so i don't know it's really interesting it's to be in this like new york model world and he's framed it a lot um with a focus on the labor involved like i think the probably the popular culture at the time is like a model is like a fancy classy thing to be but but after like seeing this documentary you're like oh it actually looks like it sucks a lot <laughs> there's a lot of work and repetition and like people yelling at you what to do and like other people controlling you know where what work you're doing um so i 
I don't know. It it covers all of those kinds of topics that are really interesting. And then it's it's a Wiseman movie. And he has another thing I like about this movie is he has these like in interstitial shots, like in between, like the like the main scene will be like fifteen minutes on a commercial shoot, and then in between he just has like these New York street scenes, which are very like John Wilson, like just like some crazy shit happening on the streets of New York for like five seconds and then going to the next long scene. So yeah, it's a good model. Is this your, um, would this be your favorite Wiseman so far? So far, I think I like the store a little more. This one is uh, still in black and white and then the next movie is the store and that's his first color oh in color okay film um is but... is hospital before model yes okay um yeah because this 2023 samurai films and frederick wiseman for Anthony yeah Cage. um but <laughs> I just remember you saying that there's all sorts of gross shit in hospital. I'm like, yeah, I want to see that real bad. <laughs> hospital, I really like. So it's Titty Cat Follies High School, Law and Order Hospital. Hospital's the first one where it's like, oh, this institution he's documenting actually seems like it's kind of doing good, like kind of doing what it's trying to do, whereas everything else so far is just like you're like oh this is <laughs> fucking up terribly <laughs> um based then it's basic training a scene i almost picked a scene a scene is about a group of monks who live together and it's one i've never heard anyone talk about and it's very like what if what if five monks live together like real world it's the like, real world but so... monks right <laughs> It's so ridiculous because you're like, oh, these are like enlightened people. They've like dedicated themselves to God or whatever. But actually, they just have these petty <laughs> arguments They're living humans, with right. each other and like are very <clears throat> passive aggressive. Um, yeah. And just after juvenile court, primate, welfare and meat are all the ones I've watched. My next one up is Canal Zone. Nice. Uh, Dirk, have you seen any, all, some, Wiseman? No, I've only seen Titty Cup Follies and Model. And the only <laughs> reason I saw Model is because my cousin was a model, a big model in the 80s and 90s. And she, her name's Barry Smither, and she did all kinds of stuff, lived in France, all that jazz. And I was just, you know, collecting all these, you know, Italian and French fashion magazines because she'd be on the cover of the French L or whatever. And then uh, when I saw her, I was telling her like, oh, it's got to be so amazing. And she's like, no, it's a lot like this movie model and it's not glamorous at all. And so then I was like, well, I've got to go see this this movie to see what it's like to be a model. And I was like, oh, yeah, this sucks. <laughs> this yeah. is terrible. Wow. But she said all every aspect of her life was basically controlled, including like what you ate and sleeping. And, you know, yeah. you have to have that less than zero body fat and cocaine is great so yeah this is she the rough rough stuff <laughs> uh you can watch us on vinny's favorite service canopy by the way yeah you're gonna need to get into canopy to watch any wiseman oh, yeah, any and all, <laughs> that's yeah. the only place they exist or i think i think you can still buy the dvds from him on his website but um anyways 
Okay, Vinny, to you. All right. Uh, this one is not French. Oh, my it God. Is, I actually think it's British. It takes place in England, so I'm assuming it's British. Probably false. Um, it's from 1951. Irving Rapper's Another Man's Poison, starring Betty Davis. Uh, she plays, Betty Davis plays a writer who lives in this, like, secluded mansion. And uh, she moved there. She's separated from her husband. No one's ever seen her husband. Um, turns out he's a criminal. He shows up. She likes her sort of like secluded idyllic life. So she poisons him and she goes to dispose of the body and a man shows up and he's one of his friends. And so he, through, you know, some happenings, ends up pretending to be her husband for people that keep coming in and out of this house. But, you know, she can't say, no, he's not really my husband because then he'll say that she murdered him. Um, yeah, it's a dark drama. Uh, it's, you know, Betty Davis was in her late 40s and she started doing these like psychological films and really get into the the meat of my favorite part of her career. Um, it's dark and it's kind of funny and she's really, really great. And it's a good mystery, like what's going to happen kind of thing. It's that uh, the Hitchcock, like MacGuffin, like, okay, we already know what the issue is, that she actually killed her real husband, and now we have to see all the other characters that are coming in out of this house. Will they find out too? And uh, yeah, it's got a like, really, really stellar final act. Um, and it's yeah, it plays on that mystery drama um, of the will they, won't they figure out her crime. But yeah, another man's poison. And it's got a Blu-ray. So. so we talked, let's see, Irvin Rapper. Was mm -hmm. it Forever Female, right? Did he do Forever Female? Oh, God. I yes, think Irvin okay. Rapper did Forever Female. <clears throat> and then I thought we talked about another one. Anyways, uh, it's really good. Yeah, I am. Um, 2023, the year of Betty Davis for Anthony. Mm -hmm. I got a lot ahead of me. I need more Betty Davis in my life. Now Voyager. Everyone does. One of the cult movies in book books two or three. So I, I and I haven't seen that yet. So I need to watch that. That's Irving Rapper. Also, yeah, also directed by Rapper. Um, Kristen, Dirk, have did, either like, of five together? Oh, okay. Have either of you seen Another Man's Poison? No. No. <laughs> no. All right, let's go watch it. Here we go. Uh. It's me, right? It's not dirty. Yes. It's, it's yeah. my turn. It's my turn. And, oh, God. <coughs> I swallowed my spit wrong. Pardon me. Um, Vinny, this pick is dedicated to you because it's a John Cassavetes movie, and it's the only one that I watched this year, but I'm going to watch more. 2023, the year of John Cassavetes for Anthony. Uh, it's The Killing of a Chinese Bookie. I watched for the first time this year. From 1976 and uh man another you know kind of a slow pressure cooker where there's only one way it can end you know um sort of that uh long good friday ending and um gosh ben gazzara is so charming but also you it's hard to uh, feel bad for him in this movie because it's like you're, you're fucking with it. Like you're getting involved with the wrong fucking people 
what do you expect? Um, but I love like how much he cares about these, <laughs> these girls that dance at his club. And it is the weirdest club that he runs. It's not like a strip joint. It's this burlesque place that like he lets his girls, like he choreographs and like they, it, it's this weird, awkward variety show uh, of, you know, jiggling cleavage and you know tassels and stuff but it's not like some salacious <coughs> salacious strip joint it's such a weird place that he runs but um boy did i love this movie and uh uh thanks thanks Vinny. thanks <coughs> i'm all choked up here i'm verklumped um also timothy carey in this <laughs> Uh, is just terrifying as he usually is. So, um, I, Vinny, I know you're a fan of this. Dirk, Kristen, Killing of a Chinese Bookie. Either have you seen it? I don't think I have. I thought I had, but now I don't think I have. <laughs> Dirk, have you seen it? Yeah, I I watched it. I liked it begrudgingly because the first person in in my small town that I met that worked at a another like an indie a cool indie video store not like a mom and pop one but like the one that you had to go to to get like tetsuo iron man and stuff like that first pretentious movie snob person i ever encountered was the first person that talked about cassavetes and so i think i hate watched my way through <laughs> cassavetes stuff in the 90s and it's not fair and i should go back and kind of rediscover things because the whole time i could just see his smug face talking about cassavetes and so <laughs> conflicted uh yeah so it it took me you know this it's really seems like an anthony type of movie too I, I don't know why it took me so long to watch but i'm glad i finally did so i could talk about it on this episode now we go to dirk marshall with his number six. Oh right it's another cassavetes just kidding uh it is <laughs> Nocturnal Demon from 1990. Uh, this is directed by Ricky Lau, who did the Mr. Vampire movies. Um, I love those so much. I love Ricky Lau. It's basically a story of like a friend who's like a mistaken identity. He's, the police think he's the serial killer that he's, of course, not. So the friends have to go solve the case of who the killer is before the police apprehend them. Um, it's got a fantastic sequence with uh, roller skating kung fu, which is really great. It stars Moon Lee, who I love. She was in like Lady Termination, um, Lethal Termination, and uh, I forget her other movies. Also, Anthony Chan, Sui Chin Ho, a bunch of people from the, the Mr. Vampire movies, which if I could get a 2000 movie, Rigor Mortis is probably one of my favorites of the hopping vampire movies, but I can't. So I'm <laughs> sticking here with Nocturnal Demon. This movie has so much fun. It's got comedic parts. It's, you know, there's a killer. There's parts where someone's being stalked and it takes itself very seriously in those sequences. So the tone is very kind of, I wouldn't say it's all over the place. It seems intentional, but it is wild that you can forget you're watching a comedy and then something so broad will happen like Kung Fu on roller skates in a street. And you go, whoa, okay, that's what's happening. There's also a sequence in this, man, I might've sent it to you, Anthony, around the holidays where a grandpa wants his grandchildren to go to sleep. And so he gets chloroform on a rag and rubs their faces <laughs> with it and they pass out. Um, 
Yeah, it's one of my favorite things I saw. What I do is it's so good. It's so good because it's played for comedic effect, but it is horrifying to see. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I love Nocturnal Demon. I can't believe I hadn't seen it. It, I chased it down because of Ricky Lau, and I'm so glad that I did. Um, Highly recommend it. It's hard to see. It's hard to find. Uh, Hopefully, it'll get a release this year because even the copy I have, it's it's not that great looking, but um, but definitely worth checking out if you like any of the words that I've assembled in this uh, rant. Uh, the... I I love I love Mr. Vampire. I haven't yeah. seen more than the first one, but I would oh, like to. <laughs> if I could derail it for one second, so the movie that I can't talk about uh, for this list is Rigor Mortis, and it's about basically the the act the young actor in Mr. Vampire playing himself now as a washed up horror actor and it has five of the people from Mr. Vampire in it and it takes place in this building it's like it's so cool and strange and it's a direct like homage to Mr. Vampire but done in 2013 super fun highly recommend it yeah I haven't seen any uh ricky lau but mr vampire i think unsung horrors talked about mr vampire maybe um but like once upon a time in china i didn't realize there were more than you know a couple there's a lot oh yeah it was huge it spawned like let's see if i can remember there's like five five or six of them there was a tv series i think there was it was it was a massive hit fascinating you'll hear about the hopping vampires in my list later on oh yeah and i i haven't seen a hopping vampire movie but i've heard about them so um need to get on that all right Kristen, the boss to you uh i'll continue the the hong kong train (laughs) with the ebola syndrome from 1996 directed by Herman Yao yes (laughs) this is probably one of the grossest movies I've ever seen so (laughs) look out that's not your thing I mean it's like yeah so it's uh Anthony Wong is a restaurant he works okay he's a restaurant employee um who is wanted for murder but he also has Ebola, which I think he gets by raping someone. Um, and <laughs> and he basically starts an outbreak in Hong Kong. It's it's just really gross because he's like a terrible person. He's a murderer, and then like he doesn't care that he has Ebola and basically is like intentionally <laughs> spreading it everywhere. Um, there's blood and gross wet things <laughs> just I can't it's very gross but it's also like very intense mm-hmm. in a way that's like this I'm always looking to see something I haven't seen before and a bullet syndrome uh, met that need so it it's on my top my top nice <laughs> I uh, did not expect. So, so Dirk, you're you're a fan of of this one. Well, fan is. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I I've seen it, and I think the actor is great, but it is very it is it's a rough one. It's really, yeah, it's very gross. 
Did you see yeah. it because it got a Blu-ray release or did you happen to come across it in another way? Yes, I watched the Blu-ray. Cool. Yeah. Was that a vinegar syndrome? I watched no, I watched the someone else put it out. Oh, it's probably before it... them. Oh, okay. But I don't remember who. Oh uh, wow. You know, I had uh I had uns or not unsung um the untold story on my short list uh for discoveries, but I do have I talked about the mission that has Anthony Wong in it on the unsung horrors uh discoveries episode that I did. And he that guy's he's so fucking cool. And I think that's probably why like you know, you can watch him do these horrible things because he's you know He's really cool. Yeah, the, uh, this, this, uh, this is the vinegar syndrome. I was okay. thinking of the untold story that has a different. Oh, the unearthed, uh, unearthed film. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, 2023, the year of Anthony Anthony Wong, for me. I got a lot of happy years for you. I know it's gonna be it's gonna <laughs> be fun. Uh, maybe I'll just watch Ebola syndrome over and over. Until no, I'm like, might, until uh, I'm just like, you might go into a dark, dark place if you do that. <laughs> have you seen Ebola syndrome, Vinny? No, I have no. not. I will. I'll watch it. Will you? Yeah, I'll watch it. <laughs> I'm not going to say I'll like it. I'll watch it. It's only 98 minutes. Yeah, there you go. Um. Okay, Vinny, top that. Yeah, mine's not quite the same kind of movie. Uh, <laughs> next one is a uh, romantic comedy from 1945, <laughs> starring Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn. Uh, I don't know if I talked about this one yet. So if I did, let me know. I have a backup pick. It's Without Love. Did I talk about this on the romantic comedies episode? Good. Okay. Without Love, uh, Spencer Tracy plays a scientist, and he moves into a building and he, he realizes or Catherine Hepburn realizes that they would be really good as a married couple because she could help him pursue his science and there's no love or romance between them. So it's more of a marriage for practical reasons, but then they fall in love and it ruins their whole plan. Um, but yeah, it's, it also has a uh, Lucille ball in a small part. You know, as the uh, the friend, so you can't really go wrong with that one. And it also stars Keenan Wynn in oh. a uh, supporting role, and you can't go wrong with him either. So it's very, very funny, um, silly uh, for these two people to be in this role. And uh, yeah, it's very predictable, but it's a fun wartime. You know, he's trying to work on a project for the government, and uh, you know, they fall in love. And I don't really like them in this period too much, and a lot of people do. But I found it very charming, and I definitely recommend it. And it's on, it's on the list of the romantic comedies list that I made. Um, but without love, I'm not sure if it's streaming anywhere or not. But uh, was was it you? I it can't can't be you, Vinny. Talking about how you you don't like no, it was what like older Hepburn. <clears throat> What's the Nick Nolte movie that she was in? Remember that Grace Quigley. Grace Quigley, right? Yes. Um, and but you don't like that period of I right? No, I do like that because that was my pick. But 
Okay. I don't like Catherine Hepburn in general. In general, that's what it was. Okay. Yes. Yeah. But there are some gems throughout. Such as Without Love. Grace Quigley and Without Love. Two of my picks. The, on the poster, it just says, she was a bashful bride. He walked in his sleep. That's, <laughs> that's it. What does it mean? It. What does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> what does that relate to anything? And like her her face, like she's pretty repulsed by his <laughs> advances on the poster there. Uh funny. Keenan Wynn, also super cool. I feel like after watching Shaq on, out on 101 this year, I'm like, Keenan Wynn's just fucking cool. It's like he's like the uh, you know, the forties and fifties version of Anthony Wong. I guess. <laughs> Come on. Come yeah, on. Catherine you see Hepper with the Bola. That's something. <laughs> That's the movie we need. Yeah. <laughs> it's the one we deserve. Yeah, definitely deserve. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Jesus. Um, okay. So it's my turn, if you guys don't mind. Uh so earlier in the season. We had the privilege of hanging out with Millie DeCherico for an episode, and we talked about her and uh, Katoya's uh, TCM Underground book. And it's it's on sale everywhere now, so if you haven't gotten the TCM Underground book, you absolutely should because it's so fucking good. Uh, her and Q's writing are—it's just—it's fabulous, and uh, a few of my discoveries came from that book. Uh, including this one, even though I'd heard about it, like w- her little essay about it uh, made me watch it. And it's Alan Rudolph's Remember My Name from 1978, starring Geraldine Chaplin and Anthony Perkins. And uh, man, what an unforgettable movie. I know for the longest time, it was like nearly impossible to see this movie. Uh, but then within the past like six or eight weeks, it popped up on Tubi TV. And so if you haven't seen Remember My Name yet, watch it immediately on Tubi TV uh, because you'll see one of the greatest performances of your lifetime in in Geraldine Chaplin. Um, How I was talking about uh, Bruno Ganz being quiet and how much you love him uh, and love him even more, the quieter he is in The American Friend, the quieter Geraldine Chaplin is in Remember My Name, uh, the more frightened you become because you don't know how unhinged this woman is and uh, a former lover, like even like a one night stand type of thing that she had um, with Anthony Perkins. Uh she becomes obsessed. She's been in prison or been in a mental institute. I think it's prison and she's released and then starts stalking Anthony Perkins. And he's married to who's he married to? Who's he married to Barry Berenson? Is that her? Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, the scene, I think probably one of the most infamous scenes is Geraldine Chaplin in the kitchen in their house and like she sneaks in and, and Barry Berenson catches her and, and she's like, what are you doing? Get out, get out. It's so tense. 
I can't remember the last time I was that tense just watching a movie. Uh, but my God, what what a picture, as they say. Um, Dirk, Kristen, have you guys seen Remember My Name? I haven't, but it's at the top of my list. Yeah, I you know I I don't know how long it's going to be on Tubi. Hopefully forever, but I would recommend watching it asap just in case it disappears because for some unknown reason is it maybe it's music rights or some producer holding rights whatever the deal is you know hopefully it it obviously deserves a deluxe blu-ray release but i don't know what the holdup is um jeff goldblum is in this early role and he plays uh geraldine chaplin's boss at this grocery store and like you feel for this guy because this like he's 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 kind of a slimy prick um but he's also like he's giving this woman a, a chance she's just out of prison giving her a job and she's kind of fucking it away um anyways really good movie uh dirk are you a fan of it <clears throat> yeah 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 um okay one more plug, get the TCM Underground book. It's fabulous. Such a, such a great book. Uh, all right, Dirk, to you for number six. Five. Number five. Yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, so, okay. Um, this is called The Vampire is Still Alive, a.k.a. Counter Destroyer from 1989. Um, it's directed by Godfrey Ho. The synopsis is Joyce rents an old home to pen her horror script and accidentally releases an army of uh, robot vampires, knife-wielding demons, and a battalion of otherworldly creatures. I was uh, watching all the Godfrey Ho movies this last year because I'm, I'm a fan of his films, but uh, I hadn't seen everything, and I was going to be on um, the Dog Zone 9000, which is the podcast of the comedy website, uh, 1-800-HOT-DOG, and they inferred me as an expert so i was like i'm gonna watch everything and so in doing so i came across this movie which i had somehow missed and discovered that it's the third robo vampire movie so robo vampire oh. is one of his more well-known movies where he hopping vampires battle uh his version of a robocop this is the third one after Let's see, the second one is called Devil's Dynamite, which sometimes it's just called Devil's Dynamite, which is why I didn't know that was part two. Um, so this was an interesting thing because this movie has a lot in it. It's got crime. It's got the hopping vampires. You have ninjas. You have someone with long blades that's kind of a cat. Uh, it's kind of like Godfrey Ho saw Nightmare on Elm Street and was like, yeah, I got this, but he doesn't. And, uh, and then the last, like, I want to say 10 minutes, the robo guy shows up and you're like wait what is this like not introduced in any way whatsoever and he's like his his robo outfit is if you can't picture it it's like silver velour over sponginess it's not actually a metal suit like peter weller and robocop and um it's just so bizarre and i love i love these movies. if you haven't heard any of my episodes on godfrey ho stuff that i've covered a lot on vhs it's just a certain flavor that um, when I would take things off the shelf and put them in, and sometimes I'd play music over it. So some of his movies have illegal music involved, like Cocktoo Twins and stuff, stuff that does not fit in a ninja movie, but he uses it. And um, 
I love it. I, it's just something that's very specific to me. I know people call this like Z-grade movies and they infer it as garbage or trash or whatever kind of words get thrown around. All the things that I love, which doesn't bother me at all. I'm so mad about it. Um, <laughs> but I uh, I found this very fun and I was so shocked when when Robo, my my uh, it auto-corrected to RoboCrap, which might work in this instance, but um, <laughs> when he shows up at the end, I was just delighted. So it was quite a gift for me and uh, and one of the and also, I don't know the plot. When this synopsis says this is what happens in this movie, and like with most Godfrey Ho, I go, <laughs> I guess that happens, but I don't really, I'm not sure 100%. But if you're into any of those things, then check out The Vampire is Still Alive, aka Counter Destroyer. And it's got a great cover. Now, on Letterboxd, it says that Edgar Jerry or Jeer yeah. directed Jeer, it. Edgar Jeer. Is that yeah. a, is so that a pseudonym? Has- multiple pseudonyms okay. yeah, yeah yeah he's godfrey hall he's edgar Jeer. he's thomas something i got i have a bunch of them and there's like yeah there's like 20, joe 30. joe livingstone that's one of my favorite ones that's that one <laughs> crocodile fury <laughs> that one um yeah he you know because he's allegedly doing things that weren't in compliance with the law um, <laughs> like taking people he would take films and cut films, his footage into the films and then re-release it. Like he did that for Thunder of Gigantic Serpent. That was actually a movie called Kill- King of Snakes that was released like four four years before. And he just did his own thing. Just a weird cut and paste job. But um, yeah, lots of lots of different names. Oh, I know. And also, like, if you're not into these types of films, don't watch it. That's fine. <laughs> but if you're into this kind of thing, that's why I like to mention stuff because like, I didn't know that this was in there until I was rooting around towards the bottom of the Godfrey Hope stack. <laughs> Robo Vampire is an 80s cop movie, so it's it's on my Neon Badges list, which means I have to watch it. So I'm going to watch the first one, at least, and we'll see You know, if I'm interested in watching. <laughs> what, I, I, mean, I don't it's think... It's got a great cover. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> it I... looks a lot like RoboCop, <laughs> right? I mean that is RoboCop. It's Robo, yeah. In the movie. Oh, look at this one too. Yes, visual stuff for a podcast. It's great. Um, Stallone as Cobra isn't in this movie either. Flash of the Ninjas. Oh my um, god. Yeah, he he did, made a lot of questionable choices, and I love him to death for it. Uh wow. I mean, it's, Cynthia Rothrock was in some of his movies. Looks like right. Not yeah, that. that's actually un- undefeatable. Is pretty amazing if right. you want to see uh, him do a more straightforward. But that one, I believe he's Godfrey Hall, H A L L, instead of Godfrey Ho, which is great just to barely change your name. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay, let's see. Kristen, what Godfrey Ho movie did you watch this year? <clears throat> I did not watch any Godfrey Ho movies oh. or Joe Livingston movies. Um, but I'm going to dedicate my next pick to Vinny. I believe this is a favorite. (laughs) It's The Gambler from 1974, uh, directed by Carl Rice. Um, this is James Caan as a, he's a English professor with a gambling addiction and it's just him losing everything repeatedly and at higher stakes 
over two hours or however long this movie is um yeah it's just a, an excellent character study um of what's his name axel freed axel freed <laughs> yeah it's uh i mean kind of a bummer but it's a good movie is this your favorite con Vinny? this is like top three favorite movies for me top three of all time yeah movies of all time yeah still never seen it still haven't Fantastic. seen the gambler uh dirk have you seen the gambler i don't think so what year is this 1974 74 Yeah, never. I don't know. Like, I'm not. I think we talked about this before, at least with Vinny. I'm not like into gambling or poker, and like, I don't like watching gambling or poker movies. Um, but 2023, the year of the gambler for Anthony, just because it's Vinny's one of Vinny's top three movies. There's a imprint Blu-ray. Um, I can't take a second a, mortgage a... on my house to get imprint shipped over here. <laughs> There's a Paramount DVD that's pretty easy to find. Okay. Um, eBay and things like that. But yeah, it's fantastic. It's near perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> it's one of the few five-star movies for me on Letterboxd. Um, okay, Vinny, on to you. All right. So this one is also not French. This is uh, one that most people watched for the first time this year because it was pretty much lost. And then uh, they came out with a Blu-ray, and that's 1977's The Farmer, directed oh. by David Berlatsky. Did you just um, watch this, right? I just watched this like three yeah. days ago. I was so excited to see that you were watching it. I was like, oh my god, I hope it's on his list. Yes. Um, yeah, I had to be. It's like uh, Mr. Majestic meets Rolling Thunder with a much smaller budget. Yeah, that's so uh, this it's got one of the best lines ever in the first scene. And it's kind of the scene is just basically trying to show what kind of guy this is. Uh, people were returning home from war, a bunch of soldiers on a train. It's uh, World War Two. There's segregation on the train. Black soldier goes on, tries to order a beer. Bartender can't let him order. This guy, our hero, says, you know, that his color didn't order the beer he did and uh, tries to give him the beer starts this big thing and uh one of the rednecks on the train calls him calls them shirley temple and bojangles and he stands up and he gets to fight him and he says that my favorite line ever is you made two mistakes the first one is standing up the second one is um what the second one is making fun of shirley temple and then he just starts fighting <laughs> like 15 guys yeah. and uh he gets thrown off the train and uh goes home so you know his kind of character that, that he is and you go home and you find out that he has a like a family farmhand kind of character that's black and uh treats him like a you know like a brother uncle kind of character and yeah he basically is losing his farm he doesn't have money to keep his farm going his dad would never join the uh the farmers union tries to get his money back uh tries to get the money to extend the mortgage on the farm just by happenstance a gangster crashes his car and uh gives him money and then he the gangster or the gambler he's not a gangster really the gambler wrongs some the mob and the, he uh gets blinded so he hires the farmer to 
take out the mob. So this whole first half of the movie about this farmer suddenly becomes this like a very intense revenge film. People getting their heads blown off, people getting uh, acid poured in their eyes. Uh, there's a there's a shot where he's under a car and he shoots somebody in the ankle and they fall and then he shoots them again with a shotgun and it blows them across the parking lot. <laughs> it's like the point A to point B is insane for this movie and I loved it. But uh, yeah, just like drama about a farm post-war farmer turns into this very violent revenge film and i can't recommend it enough it's currently streaming on tubi but there i'm definitely buying the blu-ray ronin flicks uh oh ronin put that out i'm gonna be yeah i'm definitely getting it there's no way i cannot own this movie i need to watch it again um david berlatsky's the farmer so uh dirk you've seen it you dig it yeah, I love it. I was so excited when I saw that Vinny was watching it, but then I got so nervous because I was like, oh, what if he doesn't like it? Like, And so the whole time you're listing off Betty Davis and this, and I was like, oh, the farmer <laughs> about it all. This is bullshit. Uh, but then to hear you talk about it at, with Glee, like, I'm so excited. I This is a movie that I liked, but it was so hard to find. Mm-hmm. And so the first season of my podcast, I was like, okay, I know so many farmers through our business with food. Um, I was like, I got to do The Farmer, but I couldn't find a way for a farmer to see it. And so in, when this Blu-ray came out, I was so excited. And so it's an episode that is uh, for this season, actually. But um, but yeah, I'm, I'm super excited because it has very little to do with farming, which is my favorite way to type yeah. people's job <laughs> movies. <laughs> yeah, I uh, of course, I'd never heard of it till Ronan put it out. And I I know people lost their shit about it and and me being the dick hole contrarian, I was just like, uh, no, I don't want to watch this. Everybody else is excited. Fuck that. I don't. So, but if any says it's good, then I'm going to watch it. That's how it's I kinda, a good time. It's kind of how I live my life. I had no yeah. idea. Like it was, uh, you know, I, what'd you say? It was, uh, rolling thunder and what? Mr. Majestic. Mr. It's Ma- the farmer. He's a farmer and that yeah. one taking out the mob. So it's right. like that. Yeah. I mean, very, yeah. Need to and the, the, the amounts of violence, like the way, like it's way more violent than you're expecting. Yeah. Like it's not just bang, the guy falls. Right. It's bang, the guy's head blows out. Like it's, <laughs> it's that kind of move. Like Lucio Fulci. Right. I was just going to say, yeah. sounds like contraband. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kristen, have you, you ever seen The Farmer? No. No. I'm, I look forward to And there's to- a very long slow motion sex scene. <laughs> Like it's honestly like five minutes and it's mostly in slow motion and it's mostly his ass. <laughs> so I'm like watching, I'm like, this is a choice. This is the, the, definitely a choice to do this in slow motion. I mean, I love slow motion man ass. So yeah, it's kind of a, uh, you know, a reason for living for me, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 2023, the year of slow motion man ass for you. <laughs> I, I'll make I'm you a not- list. I'm not gonna no. I'm I'm not gonna watch the <laughs> farmer. I'm just gonna watch that scene over and over. And over. over. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> all right. So, uh, 2022, I met my favorite actor of all time. Cinematically, I met him. His name is Marjo Gortner, and um, there wasn't a Marjo performance that I didn't love. There were a couple Marjo movies that I didn't love. Uh, Star Crash, I need to go back and try to love it, but what a piece of shit that movie is. Anyways, I apologize, Marjo Gortner. 
Um, on the Unsung Horrors episode, I picked the documentary for that list because, you know, that that's the first movie I watched with Marjo and it kind of started my obsession with him. Uh, but for this list, I'm picking my favorite of his um, narrative features and it's Pray for the Wildcats, the made-for-TV movie from 1974, directed by Robert Michael Lewis. And it maybe it's not the best Marjo movie, uh, but it's like when I say I think about Pray for the Wildcats every day, uh, that's not bullshit. I literally, something about Pray for the Wildcats always pops into my head every single day. And like the cast is stupid. So it's Marjo, it's Robert Reed, which is Mr. Brady. It's uh, William Shatner, Captain Kirk, and it's Andy Griffith, Andy Taylor slash Matlock. And uh, Andy Griffith is playing <clears throat> basically an older version of his character from. Um, help me out. Uh, shout. God damn it. From the 50s, Vinny, the Elias... Uh, no. God damn it. I, I gotta look it up. I gotta look it up. Face in the crowd. Jesus. Um, <clears throat> He's playing his character from fa of Face in the Crowd, basically. And he is a fucking psychopath. And so he's this <clears throat> kind of big business owner. He owns factories and shit. And Marjo, Robert Reed, and William Shatner all work for this ad agency, and they're trying to land this big client. And Andy Griffith says, uh, I'll give you my business if you three come down to the Baja Peninsula, which is where I'm going to build my next factory, and we're going to take a cross-country trip on our dirt bikes across the Baja Peninsula. I'll show you the land and everything, and then I'll, I'll sign the contracts. Well... What nobody else knows is that uh, at the beginning of the movie, we learn that William Shatner has been laid off, but his boss is letting him land this one last client. And he wants to take out a life insurance policy on himself and then go down, do this trip and commit suicide. So his wife, you know, can be taken care of after he's dead. And so you have, him dealing with that, and then you have this fucking psychopath in Andy Griffith, and then Marjo is playing sort of like the hotshot uh, like designer. He's the designer of the logos and shit. And he's impressionable, and Andy Griffith is trying to kind of bring him under his wing and everything, and Robert Reed and, and uh, William Shatner, you know, trying to say, no, this is not good. We need to call the cops, because all sorts of crazy shit happens, and and uh, anyways, what I think about most often is the ending of this movie. And I'm not going to say what it is. Um, what I'm going to say is that it's not it's not a happy ending. It doesn't end how you think it <clears throat> is going to end, but it's not a happy ending. And that I don't know, it just it struck such a chord with me and it hit me so hard. Um, you can get a Kino Blu-ray and it's on their while supplies last uh, page now, which means that it's, you know, fewer than what, 250 or 300 copies, I think is what, how they do that. 
Uh, but you can get the Blu-ray for 10 bucks at Kino. I'm sure you can get it at Amazon, too. Um, I think it's streaming on Amazon. I, that's how I watched it earlier this year. But um, pray for the Wildcats. I, I don't know. I love, love, loved this movie when Kristen and I did our Marjo episode with the boys from Movies from Hell. Did you like this one, Chris? Did you watch this one, Kristen? I didn't watch this one. But yeah. I guess I should have. Yeah, well, you know. Uh yeah, I watched <clears throat> I watched all the Marjo <laughs> movies and like I said, I you know, I found something to love in all of them. So uh Vinny or Dirk had have either of you seen Pray for the Wildcats? I have not. No. No. Uh well buy it right now. Do it. Do it. Um, I really will. Don't think I won't. All right. No, I know you will. I know you will. I will do it right now. <laughs> uh, okay. Dirk, on to you for number four. Four? Number four. Four. Number four. Okay. Little film called Carnival Magic from 1983, directed by Al Adamson. Uh, the movie was lost for 20 years, discovered in a warehouse, restored. Uh, I was very excited to see it, put the DVD in, and... There's a moment in this movie where a chimp talks, and the second it happened, I paused it, and I direct messaged Ryan from the New World Pictures podcast, and I was like, do you want to come on my podcast? Because I need to talk about this movie with someone. So he bought it. I felt guilty. But um, then we (laughs) recorded an episode on it, and it was one of my favorite conversations that I had this year. It was just so fun. It's... um, it's a movie about a circus and a man who is a talking chimp and he can um, also, he's actually magic. They don't just say like, he can do some tricks. No, he's like a walking wizard, but nobody cares. Everyone's miserable in this movie. It's a kid's movie with no children in it. Uh, everyone's backstory is rife with depression and awful tales of death. And uh, it's a kid's movie. It's a comedy without comedy. Um it's just, I mean, I anyone listen to the VHS episode with Ryan from New World Pictures. It's um, we have a great time crying, uh, laughing about just how wonderful this strange, odd movie is. The voice they chose for this chimpanzee is so bizarre that that's what made me go like, I have to talk about this with somebody <laughs> because I can't live with this in my head and not have an outlet for it because it is the gruffest, strangest. It's like almost George Burns-esque. It's so weird. You would never choose that for the chimp in the kids' movie that's not really for kids. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's called Carnival Magic. It was one of my favorite experiences. Like when you, I, I love movies where someone's like, yeah, I got this, no problem. And then they clearly don't know what's happening. They don't know <laughs> the type of movie they're making. And so when you see it, it's all their intent. They're like, this is what I meant to put on the screen. And you're like, but why? How? What? Like everyone's backstory. They'll just like, they'll be like, oh, yeah. So my wife died in a car accident. They're like, oh, my God, that's terrible. Like anything that happened before this person in the scene is talking is death and destruction. It's unbelievable. <laughs> the conversations these, And they're just catching up on day to day life. It's it's a it's a wonderful wonderful experience carnival magic talking chimp movie and it's my number four is this part of the blood and flesh box set did anyone get I that? Don't that i don't, I don't have that i, I just know it went really fast uh i i 
I watched an Al Adamson movie. So I, I watched the 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 um, the documentary when it came out last year, two years ago, whenever it was. And fascinating. I never heard of I'd never heard of Al Adamson. And what uh, tragic. What a heartbreaking story uh for him. <clears throat> and like Perfect. he he obviously loved you know, making movies like he had a right his own sort of subgenre. Um and it wasn't just horror. So this year during June exploitation I watched Death Dimension uh for Kung Fu Day with Jim um Jim uh what the fuck is his name? Jim Kelly. Brown? No, <laughs> Jim Kelly. And uh that's a fucking killer movie. Super good, super fun. Um, and it made me want to watch more Al Adamson, which, as you can see, I didn't. So I declare on this podcast. <laughs> you really are booked 10 years yeah. ahead at this point. Uh, have either of you, Vinny or, or uh, Kristen, seen Carnival Magic or Al Adamson movies? I've only heard of them. Neither. Yeah. I was, I think I looked at this as a possible freaks pairing and then I got scared by its letterbox tree. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll try it. I want to hear that chip voice. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> wow, 1.7. Good lord. <laughs> but talking I mean, it chip. looks terrible. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, it does look terrible. <laughs> Uh, but talking chimp, come on, with the with the George Burns voice. I just like the it's it's a your favorite experience. Yeah. Also, yeah. no one cares that the chimp talks. It's revealed in the movie where they're like, talks. <laughs> no one gives a shit. No one gives a shit. This guy's actually magic, and nobody cares. He can read minds. He has telekinetic powers with animals, and, and like nobody. Everyone's just so miserable in this movie. I, I can't recommend it enough. <laughs> Yeah, it's movies like that that aren't good, but it's fascinating how and or why they were made. And yeah, well, I just how I how we were able to see them now. Yes, that's especially great. I mean, right. vinegar syndrome kids sounds like something that should be illegal, but um <laughs> in the video store you had this genre of movies that were supposed to be for children. And so, you know, you'd watch them like that's how I even met Ryan on New World as I did the Great Land of Small on their podcast. Yep. And it's a terrifying movie, but it was supposed to be for children. And and I I love these things. I love like digging them up and being like, yeah, this is what we had for entertainment before you had Cartoon Network children. And now you can just watch whatever on YouTube. It's like we were just watching things going, I guess this is for me. <laughs> you just had Michael J. Anderson and Slimo. Yeah, just Slimo. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, Kristen, you're number five. Four. Oh, number five. Number five. Where are randomly you? generated next thing? <laughs> <laughs> um, I watched a bunch of Sammo Hung directed movies this year, and my next pick is The Millionaire's Express from 1986, directed by Sammo Hung. This is a Western set, like kung fu movie so it gets bonus points for being cool and <laughs> different in that way um it's about i mean it's it's a comedy it's uh 
there's a train coming through like a western town that has a bunch of like merchants and government officials and uh fancy people and the small town has other things going on it was just it had some like criminals escape and then i think samo wants the train to stop in town so that the people will like stay at his hotel and spend money so he's trying to stop the train and there's also a bunch of criminals trying to rob the people on the train so there's just all these characters who have a lot going on um this one i feel like some of these movies like require a second watch to like digest both the the um phenomenal action that is happening so fast and like when you're trying to take in the plot and like read subtitles and also look at the action there's like a lot so this one was more memorable to me but I feel like I could watch the other um, movies I watched the Sammo movies I watched this year again and come out with a different um favorite possibly but this one is showing up here because especially because it has Yun Biao doing this <laughs> I mean incredible stunt where he's it's like a long shot where he's jumping off a building lands gets up r- and runs and continues the seat like goes over and talks to someone and it's just like oh he really like jumped off a building and then continued the scene and delivered his line and and like it's shot in a way like hey this is impressive so <laughs> we're doing this long shot so you can see that he really did this so that's why it sneaks into the top my top recommendations god bless Samo hung he's just like when i learned that you know he was jackie chan's double for a lot of stuff early on i was like god this guy is fucking incredible jackie chan needs a stunt double they they go to this guy it's like <laughs> wow uh so impressive and he's so funny he's so funny uh so this has been on my watch list for a long time and i'm excited to finally see it um there's also like a just because the the harder they come episode (laughs) dropped as we're recording this today um and in that movie they watch django i feel like there's a django reference in millionaire's express interesting uh vinny samo hung fan are you uh it's one of my biggest blind spots that i actually acknowledged back in uh july or august and i said i don't know 80s hong kong action films so give me some recommendations and uh, i've been just buying them and then this year i'm finally gonna watch them all so cool i had bought this one and i have it and i'm ready i'm ready for it nice who who put this is this on blu-ray eureka Oh, yep. you're okay. There's actually a, a couple versions, but yeah. Okay. There's a uh, a few different DVD versions, and then there's the Eureka put it out on Blu-ray. Sweet. Sweet. Okay, Vinny, you're number four. Okay. This one is a genre film from 1972. 
uh, Vicente Aranda, The Blood Spattered Bride. Oh. Has anyone seen this? Mm-mm. Haven't seen okay. it, but I know of it. So <laughs> it's different. Uh, it's newlywed couple goes to a hotel. Uh, the woman is still in her gown. Um, looks out the window, sees a woman staring at her, kind of stalked. Suddenly, a man bursts out of their closet in the hotel room and rapes her, and then she wakes up, and it was a dream. And then the husband comes in the room, and she goes, okay, we have to leave. Like, we can't be in this hotel. I just had, like, this dream kind of thing. They go back to his house, and she sees the woman there. So this movie is a, a by kind of like a sexual awakening film slash lesbian vampire movie that gets into like full-blown exploitation horror film by the end but it's just this like really haunting thing where you're like uh, you can't tell if the wife is dreaming at times and then you can't trust pretty much anyone in this guy's family but he's the hero of the movie um i don't want to give away like where it goes but yeah the lesbian vampire um aspect of it is what you know drew me to it but it's not that at all but uh, yeah blood spattered bride it's spattered not splattered yeah so it's very hard to find when you think it's called the blood splattered bride and you're like i know i I saw this movie somewhere and i'm (laughs) looking it up so blood spattered bride um yeah it's spattered is a better word than splattered it's yeah yes and it's splatter is something that happens and spattered is more of a yeah, you know, adjective, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's the that that genre of the slow, haunting sexual horror film that we got, especially from Spain um, in the seventies, um, that I love. Uh, so, I, if you like that kind of like that slow pace, but also, you know, still a horror film, um, definitely recommend it. Uh, beautiful film too, and uh, I don't know if it has a physical release. But it is on Tubi, where every good movie is. <clears throat> I I did a Bava, Mario Bava weekend or Saturday in October, maybe, maybe November, I can't remember. But I always thought The Blood Spattered Bride was a Bava movie. And mm-hmm. I, because I watched uh, Shock, Hatchet for the Honeymoon, uh, Barren Blood, and another one. Um, but this sounds almost like a, a mix of shock, barren blood and, uh, Hatchet mm. for the honeymoon. So, uh, yeah, it's been on my watch list for a long time. Creepy. This is the year of a uh, creepy vampire lesbians. <laughs> yes. Hey. Yes. There's actually a lot of those. Too. Yeah. You're going to be busy. The, the last film of 2022 i watched was a lesbian vampire movie yeah so maybe it is maybe 2023 is fuck it 20 it's none of the other things i said lesbian vampires that's what it is final gavel down that's what it is lesbian vampire uh okay all right number four is one I did. It was one of my picks for the podcast, but it's it's got to be. It it really is. It's one of the top movies I watched this year. It's Frank Perry's Diary of a Mad Housewife from 1970, starring Carrie Snodgrass and Richard Benjamin, and 
like just a stunningly gorgeous Frank Langella, <clears throat> skinny, long flowing, like jet black hair. Um, and wow. <laughs> uh, I bought this movie uh, because it, it was it was during a Kino sale, so it's it's got a Kino blue. Uh, but I bought it because Frank Perry is, I think he is Jonathan Hertzberg's favorite filmmaker. Jonathan Hertzberg from Fun City Editions, his favorite film of all time is The Swimmer. Loves Frank Perry, and I was like, okay, I got Rancho Deluxe from him. Uh, and, uh, I don't have the swimmer, but, uh, that's one of, it's like a yearly watch for me. And I was like, Frank Perry, I got to get Diary of a Mad Housewife. And so this was one of the pairings with It's a Wonderful Life that I did with Kevin Maher earlier last year. And, uh, Carrie Snodgrass is the titular housewife. She's married to Richard Benjamin, who is this sort of up and coming lawyer in his in his firm and he's trying to impress the neighbors and his friends and society and his bosses and blah, blah blah and so they're going to all these you know work parties and she's she's bored by all that and like you know she's she feels this pressure from him to like keep up uh keep up with the joneses type of thing right and at one of these parties she sees frank langella who is this writer um, and he's sort of holding court uh, among this small group of people, and you know who, who's that guy? And and cat they they you know meet eyes and no oh, you know I'll remember you. So next time they see each other, they talk. He is forcefully flirtatious, um, and they strike up an affair because she's she's tired of this sort of uh, you know bitchy whiny man she has at home. And her husband, <clears throat> and she starts this affair with Frank Langella, where the passion and the sex is great, but he's a real fucking asshole. And so now she's kind of stuck, you know, you know, rock in a hard place. And um, again, uh, it did not go to where I thought it was going to go. The ending completely took me by surprise. This is a sneaky Christmas movie, BTW, and uh, Carrie Snodgrass is it's stupid she is not top build on on the poster or the blu-ray because she's fuck like this is her movie she's so good in this movie um but it's written by frank's wife El, uh, eleanor eleanor perry yeah and directed by him love it good new york city movie upper east side i think type of movie um really 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 fell in love with this movie Am I among fans of Diary of a Mad Housewife? <clears throat> I have I not seen it. I haven't seen it. Ooh. Yes. I recommend it. I think it's good. Vinny, I know you'll love it. Yeah, I own it. I just have not gotten around to it. Maybe this yeah. is the year of Frank Perry for me. Do it. Uh, and yeah, uh, the Blu-ray is always one of those. It's it's always, you know, eight, nine, ten yeah. bucks. On, yeah, on I bought that and uh, Ladybug, Ladybug, and I just haven't watched them yet. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to watching both of those. Cool. All right, Dirk, we're getting to the top three. Oh, You're yeah, up. number three. Anthony, I don't uh, know if you've ever been on the Unsung Horrors podcast because you've never mentioned it, but uh, I uh, is a joke. 
a you out. Um, <laughs> the, the Cat from 1992. It's a movie that, that I feel like they would talk about. Uh, directed by Lam Nai Kai. I'm probably saying that wrong. Who directed Story of Ricky, uh, Erotic Ghost Story, and The Seventh Curse. Um, all wonderful. This movie I thought was a movie called Evil Cat uh, for years. And so when I came across it again, I was like, oh, this is its own thing. I wanted to track it down. If you haven't heard of this movie, here's the synopsis. A cat from outer space teams up with a young alien girl and her knight, along with an adventure novelist named Wisely, to fight a murderous alien that possesses people. Yeah, <laughs> that's the plot of this movie. And this movie is crazier than that synopsis. It's just <laughs> jam-packed full of the most bizarre images. There is a sequence in it. Um, I did an episode on if you want to hear me at length with Derek Smith uh, about the cat. And there's a sequence where the cat, who's also a gun, by the way, spoiler alert, uh, and a dog have a full-blown fight in a in a in a junkyard. Yeah, junkyard, and it is so great. It just fills me with utter delight the whole time I was watching it. Um, so you've seen the cat? I have. It's that scene is very intense, especially yeah. because you're like the scene is still happening, but also like <laughs> like they're like really fighting, and you're like, oh, yeah. this doesn't seem good for either of them yeah it, it's it's really fun i highly recommend it for anyone that likes wild and crazy uh cinema you could easily throw this into that conversation and hopefully this will get a blu-ray release the seventh curse came out this year and so maybe the cat is close behind i hope so because it's very difficult to track down yeah, this seventh... is a movie too if you like which i do animated 80s lightning <laughs> magic flashes this is this this is a movie for you exactly good stuff you started with animated and i was like oh vinny's not gonna like it uh, i was checked out <laughs> as soon as i heard it you don't like cartoon uh, he, no, he hates cartoons I, after the age of 10 no <laughs> no i just like saying that i my girlfriend loves car like loves animated films, so I like saying how much I hate animated films, which I don't I don't like them, no, but I don't hate them. <laughs> I do have a question for you, Lily, if we could get off topic for one moment. Okay. Of your collection, in which you post pictures of on the old uh, Twitters and whatnot, yep. how much of it have you not seen? Right now it, there's over four thousand titles and I'm around one hundred that I haven't watched yet. Okay. Okay. That's yeah. impressive. And that's that's because I buy like 10 to 20 at a time when I buy like during sales. He so. goes to Costco and, and just buys. I go to Costco and just load it up. Uh, speaking of the cat, to get it back on that, yeah, yeah. the there is a poster for it that makes it look like a magical romantic comedy, which I don't know <laughs> if you can see that, if it's going to blur it out. Yeah, right there. It's them standing in the snow, it looks like. Oh, that, and, yeah, that's the end of the movie. <laughs> So spoilers. I like that that's that's what it's about is uh nothing like two people standing in the snow with their <laughs> arms out enjoying snowflakes. Yeah, and you're like, oh the cat's a gun. Well that's, that's when they blow up the big monster and then it has space snow that rains down. Oh, so space, space snow. You ah, couldn't so tell from the think, picture, yeah. I guess. They put their hands out like this is so great. It has the, a very cute romantic comedy ending that you're just like what because this moments before that there's just like guts everywhere and it's just like okay well that's interesting i'm into it okay so is it this is this is hong kong right this is hong kong um man okay 
2023. No, I'm joking. I really want to watch a lot of Hong Kong movies. So wait, is there a way to watch this? Yeah, how did you well, watch it? I we can hook you up privately. I okay. <laughs> yeah. I DVD, ladies. Uh, uh, rarefilm.com. Everybody can check that out. He does God's work. Um, two and, M's. Yeah, two, two M's. And it's not a secret. Like, everybody knows about it. So um, this might be there. Yeah, I've never heard of this. The Seventh Curse is also an 80s cop movie. And that was always like impossible to see until was it 88 films put it out last year, right? Just yeah. incredible. It's gorgeous. This Holy it's shit, just... that's a huge box. God damn. Oh yeah. It came with a booklet. It came with the little poster thing. It is it's one of those releases where as a collector you love it. You pour yeah. over it. It's heavy. It feels good in the hand. Way it... better. Than what I had before, which looked like this, which is not a Blu-ray. It's just in a Blu-ray case. But <laughs> this is wow. better than Impressive. Okay, Kristen, let's hear your definitive number three. I'm joking. It's just a, a movie she's going to talk about right now. <laughs> Don't have a number on it. Uh, my pick is Miami Blues from 1990, directed by George Armitage. Um, this is Alec Baldwin is like a criminal uh, guy getting out of prison. Um, and he pretty much immediately like accidentally kills a Harry Krishna in the airport. And it's like on a, on the run and like kind of on a crime spree, he meets up with Jennifer Jason Lee, who's like a college student. And they get together, but she doesn't really know who he is or, like, that he's committing crimes. And then uh, Fred Ward is, like, a cop who he's, like, looking for the guy who killed the Harry Krishna and then starting to suspect Alec Baldwin's character. And then they're kind of, like, cat and mousing a little bit. It's like a black comedy. It's It's very... I was very into it. Um, not having like really heard much about it. It's also like I feel like there's not a lot of like good black comedies. It's not a movie style that comes out anymore. So I'm always good. To, I'm always glad to find a good one. Yeah. Uh, Radiance is putting this out this year, and did imprint. Vinny, Vin, Imprint put this out? Yeah, it's got like three or four okay. releases by now. Oh. It's actually but, the only one I didn't order from Radiance. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I can get it anywhere. But Miami Blues has never come out in the US on Blu ray, right? It's always a Region B, isn't it? Yeah, I believe it's all. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a few Region Bs. Um, yeah, this has been on my watch list for a long, long time. Probably from Pure Cinema. I think they're they're big fans. Ryan and, and Brian and Elric. Oh no, MVD put it out. Oh, did they? Yeah, MVD put it out. Yep. Oh. Um. Very good. Get Miami that at your Blues. local Walmart. Yeah. Uh, Dirk, Vinny, have you fans of Miami Blues? Have you seen it? Yeah. 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 Years ago, I think it's like something my dad would have watched oh yeah yeah we had yeah you had it i'm also i'm a fred ward 
fan and this has some good Fred Ward business. It's <laughs> good Fred Ward business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Vinny, you're number three. Okay. Going back to the pretentious films. Yes. Okay. This is from 1972 from uh, a Hungarian director, Miklos Jankso, and that is Red Psalm. And this is an experience. This is, it's like 20 different shots. Oh, yeah. For 90 minutes. It is pretty much a giant field. And it's all these performers and they're doing, it's kind of like a musical where there's like a lot of like folk bands playing. Like, you know, it's not like a soundtrack. You're, you're hearing these bands playing these songs. Cameras constantly moving, doing these little pieces. And it's basically a story of um, farmers going on strike. And then uh, the military comes to break up the strike and then the military goes on strike and they join them. And it's this big, like epic visual poem about Hungarian history. And it's like this weird, like hippie folk musical also with this like workers revolution story. And it's all like this gigantic field. Like it's, hundreds of acres this huge field helicopter shots and things like that of these people the camera's constantly moving like i said it's not a lot of shots so it's very long takes of everything there's like you'll see like three songs and different performances and there's people just getting naked and dancing in the background and it's you have to see it to kind of experience it you can't take your eyes off of it uh red psalm it has a um, I don't know if it has a U.S. release. It definitely has a, um, uh, what is it? Second Run Features, the uh, oh yeah, Arrow affiliate. Yeah, um, there is a Blu-ray from them. That's the one I have. Uh, and when when Arrow has their sale, if you go to the Arrow UK site, their prices are a lot better and it has a bigger selection. And uh, the Second Run films end up being like eight dollars. Yeah. And they're all of these like international art house films from the 60s and 70s. Um, yeah, Red Psalm, definitely watch it. It's one of those like you have to experience it. You know, that kind of movie. It's not like, oh, it's about this, 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 because it's not. It's just, you know, let it play out. But Red Red Psalm, I have no idea how to pronounce the uh, actual title, the Hungarian title. I'm not even going to try. Uh, it's so, like five. So it's five when... like, little words. When Cribs was on for his first appearance and we were going to talk about Burn, mm-hmm. I Red Psalm was going to be one of my pairings. And I went to watch it and the Wi-Fi gave out and I couldn't watch it. So I went back the next day to watch it and they had taken it off whatever streaming service it was on. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get to fucking see it. Uh, but now it's on Canopy. So, Kristen and I can watch it. Dirk, Dirk, do you have Canopy? Do you do you use Canopy? No, you don't. I don't I don't stream a lot of stuff. I I am one of those old dorks that likes the physical media thing. Hmm. Uh but uh yeah, so have either of you seen Red Psalm? No. I have no. not, but I'm so excited from Vinny's uh talk about it that I pulled it up and I I've seen the image before, but I would have probably never checked it out. And I'm gonna definitely buy it. Actually, I'm pretty. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, it's. I really, really enjoyed it. Sold. All right, my number three is a Criterion pickup that I got 
oh, probably two years ago, and then I took the plastic off this past year. Um, Finally. And it's, this is another movie I can't believe it took me so long to see because it's always it's been on my watch list for many years, and it's right up my alley. It's a little movie directed by Peter Yates called The Friends of Eddie Coyle from 1973, starring Robert Mitchum and Peter Boyle, um, uh, Alex Rocco, 2023, the year of Alex Rocco. I declared that on Twitter already, by the way. Um, and, it's you know, again, I don't know why it took me so long to watch this. And uh, this was one of those I wasn't afraid that that the bar was already set so high because I knew that it was either going to meet the bar or go above it. And yes, it went, it like surpassed the bar by leaps and bounds. It's fucking amazing. Robert Mitchum is fresh out of prison and he's this aging gangster criminal guy. And, um, he's trying to get his, he's trying to sell some guns and maybe the cops are watching him. One of them is Stephen Keats, uh, always, sort of a fucking dick in movies. Um, but you love him. Um, and Alex Rocco kind of runs, uh, the gang who are trying to buy the guns from Mitchum. And it's, uh, man, is it exciting? And Robert Mitchum is just, you know, God, he's the king of cool. It doesn't matter, uh, whether he's playing a psychotic preacher or he's playing this aging gangster who just wants to, you know, scrape by selling guns. You love him. You love him. Doesn't matter. He's he's just fucking cool. Uh, but, it, you know, finally I watched the uh, Friends of Eddie Coyle and I also bought the book. I haven't read the book yet, but I'm going to read that this year. It's going to be, uh, I just, man, another one of those movies I watched for the first time that I think about constantly. So. Uh, I assume everybody is a fan of this movie. I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I guess it's fantastic. Yeah. Oh man. I know the part you're like, oh, Bishop's so cool, but he's so pathetic in this movie. Uh, he really is. He, yeah, <laughs> he's, he is. But it's, you, he's, yeah, but you, he's so good. Yeah. Like, you, he's so you good. You do pity him. Um, yeah. Kristen, what is flashing? Is that a, do you have a lighthouse flashing behind you? No, uh, other side. Uh, someone is playing video games very close to me, uh, so it's probably the TV. I was like, oh my God, is that like, is she that close to the ocean that you could see the lighthouses? Out there? Okay, video games. That would be amazing. Yeah, it's <laughs> not that idyllic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Uh, Dirk, your number two discovery of 2022. Oh, yeah. Okay, number to this would have been my number one because I loved it so much. Um, it's a movie that I wanted to watch. A lot of the stuff that I'm interested in um, cinematically doesn't really jive well with the wife. So I watch it when she's out of town and that kind of stuff. So I thought this movie was going to be one of those things and I, I thought it would be interesting. But I texted her about 10 minutes into it that I was so in love with this movie. And that's Car Cemetery from 1983. Uh, directed by Fernando Arabel. The synopsis, I just cut and pasted this from IMDb because I, I enjoyed this, uh, the way they worded this. Combining punk rock and post-apocalyptic mayhem, Arabel's outrageous adaptation of his infamous stage play of gallows humor 
in a wretched dystopia. Uh, the inhabitants of a junkyard at the edge of a nuclear crater live hand to mouth, all the while being hounded by authorities from a corrupt government. Among them is Amanu, played by Elaine Bashung, a punk rock star agitator doomed to betray his own, or betray one of his own. A raucous and absurd retelling of the Christ story with thugs, murderers, pimps, and punks. Car Cemetery is one of Fernando Arabal's most rare and wanted films. It's um, it's great. It's like, I love uh, Derek German's Jubilee. This would be a great sort of double with that, I think, aesthetically. Um, it's just like, it's all these things that I loved. It feels like art house, but it's definitely like uh, outrageous and not campy per se but definitely like punk rock pro queer pro kink like the fact that it's a retelling of the christ story at the same time is pretty awesome um i love this movie it was really hard to find the dvd of it it's pretty good i'm sure your streaming sites can you can find it i hope so um but i highly canopy. recommend it it was okay canopy um i yeah it's 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 my jam so you 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 have the cult epics DVD of this? I do. Yeah. Nice. Good old yeah, Nico. God, he puts out the coolest shit. Nice. I've never even heard of them before. This is I think. Oh really? Basically, I was just searching for this. Oh yeah, yeah. Nico. Um, the only reason I know enough about them is because Jeremy Ritchie who's been on the show, you know, he's the Sylvia Christel um, uh, biographer and he put out his book through cold epics and the, they did the big DVD or Blu-ray set of, of her movies. Um, wow. This is fascinating. Another one I've never heard of, which doesn't surprise me. Uh, but on the watch list again, had, have either of you seen it, Vinnie Kristen? No, no, no it sounds, I just, I just sounds bought it. awesome. You just nice. bought it. Yeah, the DVD is like ten bucks on eBay. Nice. Um, so I bought it. Sweet. Yeah. I will let you know in uh, like a week or so. All right. All right, Kristen. Okay. Uh, my next pick is "Tough Guys Don't Dance" from 1987, <laughs> directed by Norman Mailer. This is a movie I watched because of the Blu-ray release. It's it's bizarre. <laughs> I mean, the plot is like Ryan O'Neill is what is he? He was like he's a writer who has blackouts and he wakes up and there's a bunch of blood in his car. So he there's like this mystery. But it feel it feels very David Lynchy. It's like very melodramatic. There's weird, <laughs> weird accents that are not that are very over the top. Um, I I don't know. I just had a lot of fun watching this. Uh, Isabella Rossellini's uh, is Ryan O'Neill's like ex-girlfriend and wings hauser is a cop in town who's like also seen isabella rosalini there's just all these weird characters he doesn't know what's going on he, like if he murdered someone or if someone else did yeah it's just uh it's great man 
I uh, okay, so I've never even heard of this, but I assume Dirk and Vinny, you guys are fans or liked it. Fan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say fan. It's my favorite Wings Hauser performance I saw this year. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, so like, that this is it. like they they made it and then they had the final cut and they're like, "Yep, let's that's that's the movie." Put <laughs> it out there. So, how many? Yeah, Norman Mailer didn't make like this is his only movie, right? I mean, it was canon. It's a canon film. Oh, is it really? If that, yeah, if it, you know, if that sells it, a Norman Mailer film, at least by and canon. there's, I mean, <sighs> yeah, this was like a bomb, and there's a trailer where Norman Mailer is like cut in between scenes of the film where he's like talk like playing up how ridiculous it is like he's almost making fun of the movie yeah. in the trailer it's wild it, oh he wrote it too wow it feels like it feels as, as if he was trying to make a bad movie and i know that there's like the story of uh, ryan o'neill the the line the line read that he gives in this is like very very bad and he was pissed off at Norman Mailer for using it in the movie. He goes, no, I'm not that bad of an actor. And Norman Mailer apparently just laughed at him when he said that. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. It may be intentionally bad, but he was the only one that was that had that intention. That Yeah, right. It's yeah. at least interesting. Yeah. Yes. Um, Man, that's, that's interesting. Interesting. Um, all right, Vinny, number two. Yes. Okay. Uh, this one is uh one that I took a very long time to get around to, and I hate that it took so long. Uh, Preston Sturgis's 1942 comedy, The Palm Beach Story, um, starring Claudette Colbert, Joel McRae, Mary Astor, Rudy Valley. Um, it's you know the kind of like weird period in American romance movies where everyone would like meet and fall in love and get married or plan on get married like within a day or so. And they make fun of it in uh, the old dark house where like they just meet and they want to get married immediately. Right. Um, it's a woman who it's a, or it's a married couple. He can't make it as an architect. She leaves because she wants to be married to somebody that's successful. She meets a essentially a billionaire uh, on the train and her husband shows up to get her back and lies about who he is and the billionaire tries to hook him up with his sister so it's this kind of romantic comedy where he's pretending to be her brother but he's actually her husband and she wants to be divorced to help him be successful it's this weird thing with everyone but it's very very funny Claudette Colbert is fantastic in it um it is also odd to see what um, is expensive in 1942 um, <laughs> versus now. Cause it'd be like, Oh my God, that was $25 kind of thing. And, but he's a billionaire, so it doesn't matter to him, but oh. he's, you know, he's that rich then. So he's, you know, insanely rich <laughs> now, but right. uh, yeah, it's on the criterion channel. It's part of their uh, screwball comedy set. They have a disc. I, I bought the disc and it took me a while to get to uh, definitely recommend it. One of my favorite Preston Sturgis's films. Now it is, 
a delight from start to finish. And Joel McRae is like, you know, you know, he's Joel McRae, but he's right. perfect. It's it's perfectly cast, everything. Um, but definitely recommend it. If, if if you don't want to buy the disc, it is streaming right now. Yeah, I I've only seen Sullivan's Travels, and I just watched that for the first time last year. And of course it was it was great. Um mm-hmm. but uh, you know, who knows? Maybe 2023. Your surges? The press ah. surges here. Um, and I've only seen, I think, Claudette Colbert in um, what's what's the road movie? It happened one night. I think that's the only mm-hmm. Claudette Colbert I've seen. So yeah, she can do that kind of comedy. Yeah. very very well. She is very very funny. True. Okay, no, it's my turn. Almost went to Dirk for number one. It's not your turn, Dirk. Wait your turn. My number two, um, I just like to say Pauline Kale can fuck right off. What a miserable woman she must have been because uh, I follow the Pauline Kale bot on Twitter, which I love. And uh, they just posted one of uh, Pauline's snippets of her review for this movie. And she's like, uh, you know, one guy's a good lover. The other guy's not. And that's what the movie's about. I was like, what the, no, fuck, you, you really did lose it at the movies, didn't you, lady? Um, This is Hal Ashby's Coming Home from 1978. And uh, so earlier in 2022, I did a neon badges on 8 Million Ways to Die. And so when I do those pieces, I like do a shitload of research and watch all the filmmakers' movies and blah, blah, blah. And... You know, it just happens that the three of us recently did our Harold and Maude episode. And so I watched Coming Home for the first time this past year, and I was completely blown away. I was just, I was uh, heartbroken. It's such a great love story. Um, It's a great, you know, um, anti-war uh, movie, you know, the end where John Voigt goes and he's given uh, this this lecture to these high school kids about war and the realities of war. And, you know, he's a he's this paraplegic now. Right. And it God, it is extremely moving. Um, and it just makes me and not that I really give a shit uh, politically, like what you believe in and who you vote for and all that. Um but it's just so funny, like how far John Voight had has swung, um, right? Uh, but there's no denying he's still a great fucking actor. He was so, he's so good in this movie. Uh, Jane Fonda is so good in this movie. Uh, Bruce Dern is so good in this movie. He plays the the husband of Jane Fonda who goes off to to war. And while he's gone, she volunteers at the local vet hospital and develops this friendship. Uh, and sooner, uh, sooner or later, this romantic relationship with John Voight. And he is so lovable in this movie. But then Bruce Dern returns. And then there's this, you know. When he confronts Jane Fonda and John Voight at his home, at their home, it's very tense and it's very emotional. Um, 
And what I love about this movie is that in this love triangle, there isn't a bad guy. Um, I mean, I, I guess cheating is the bad guy, you know, don't cheat on your, your spouse, but like, they don't play it like that. It's just, everybody is dealing with very hot emotions and like everything is boiling over and, and, and nobody like, you know, even the country is in turmoil at this time. So anyways, what a great fucking movie. You can get the uh, Blu-ray from Kino. It's also one of those that's usually around 10 bucks all the time. Uh, I highly recommend this. Hal Ashby is just, he's absolutely one of my favorite filmmakers. You know, it's his filmography, <coughs> excuse me, is hard to beat. You know, there's a couple stinkers in there. Uh, but, you know, he's got eight really good ones and like four or five serious masterpieces so anyways coming home good movie <coughs> good lord sorry uh have either either of you seen it either three of you no no either three either three i have you have you like it i have yeah it's yeah. probably my least favorite uh ashby interesting and uh i lo- and i think it's really good yeah yeah so, good yeah. Oh. what kind of filmmaker he is. I wasn't sure where that was. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, all right, Dirk, number one film discovery for you. Oh, man. Okay, so there's a lot of things in in my 10 movies where it's like, it's entertainment, it's things that remind me of childhood, but there's like, there's one director I talk about a lot, and um, he had a film that I hadn't watched and so i had a quiet evening and i decided you know what i'm gonna do it i'm gonna watch war requiem from 1989 directed by Derek jarman um part of the reason i put this off for a long time war movies aren't often something i reach for even though it's my one of my favorite directors i i just i i didn't want to watch all of them um, he's passed away, and I had one that I hadn't watched, which meant I got to spend one more t- night discovering something that he had created. But I figured this was the year, and so I pressed play on it, and then um, I just copied what this person had written online. It's a uh, movie with no spoken dialogue. It's set against the music and lyrics of Benjamin Britten's War Requiem, which includes poetry by World War I soldier Wilford Owen, reflecting on the horrors of war. Uh, there's no linear story or dialogue. Its imagery reflects Owen's story and of other soldiers and a nurse during World War One, including actual footage of contemporary wars from World War II, Vietnam, and Angola. It's Lawrence Olivier's last film. I think that that's pretty interesting. It also stars Tilda Swinton and Sean Bean, or Seen Ben. No, I'm just kidding. It's Sean Bean. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's poetry. It's collage. It's art. There's I love Super 8 uh film and the, the way that he compi- composes these things somebody once described him as a painter working in film and i think that that's really accurate uh it's just it's so um his work means so much to me and so to actually get to see something and to close out uh for me his his filmography it was a top experience for me i, I just sat there when it ended and was like nice I'll, um i'm gonna go spend some time with your journals which i did I'm a sucker for poetry and stuff like that, and I have his journal. So, yeah, my number one is War Requiem 
from Mr. Derek Jarman. Yeah, you put him on my radar when you, me, and Lexi uh, talked about Outrageous. So, um, you heard it here first, folks. 2023. Here of Derek Jarman. Here we go. There it is. Uh, okay, Vinny or Chris, because you guys weren't on that episode with us. Uh, are either of you experienced with Mr. Jarman? I I have seen a handful. Oh, okay. I've not seen this one. No, no, I feel like I've seen like maybe some short experimental films, but nothing feature length. Yeah, the the stuff that we were talking about before, Dirk, uh, on that outrageous episode, it just it really seemed like it'd be right up uh, your alley, Kristen. So um, fascinating yeah, I stuff. Love it. Some of the more like narratively sound stuff is very interesting. Some of those, some of it feels very stage stagey, and I mm. enjoy that the way that the stuff's comprised or composed. Um, Edward the Second is pretty interesting. Wittgenstein is probably one of my favorites for the staged sort of things. It's all about Wittgenstein. It's good. Um, if you want the more collagey stuff, like Angelic Conversation is really good. Um, it's just basically about two gay lovers. I was just talking to my wife about this in an episode that will have just come out on VHS. Um, it's just so hard. I spend so much time talking about Derek Jarman and trying to get people to push play on it. But an art house like collage movie, you know, it's not something people are going to press play on these days. Right. Like it's just so low on everyone's like, I'd rather watch rewatch all the Star Wars and rank them or whatever people want to do. And so it's just hard to get eyes on on these films and that that makes me sad because uh somewhere in there there can be new discoveries for people yeah for sure and it's only 90 minutes this is a you know yeah. it's not some you know four hour tone poem that which i would yeah. watch anyways but yeah Lawrence olivier's last film i mean come on <laughs> big sell for a lot of people kids love yeah. Lawrence olivier <laughs> <laughs> all right Kristen. Your number one film discovery of 2022 is? Oh, I'm going to go with Wanda from 1970, directed by Barbara Loden. Um, This is a movie, I mean, it's very similar to Buffalo 66, which I did not know going in uh, Vincent Gallo's film, but um Barbara Loden directs and she also stars in this movie as Wanda who is like this housewife who kind of abandons her family we see her at the beginning uh, uh arriving to like a hearing about custody arriving late to a, a court hearing about uh custody of her children and she's basically like yeah I don't want custody and uh from there she just kind of wanders off and she like spends I think she has like a one night stand and hangs out with that person for a day or two and then is just kind of like floating around and eventually ends up with um like clinging to this guy who's like a a criminal and he can't really shake her like it's not that they're like having a great time together she just like they're both I mean she's just kind of like 
following him around and staying with him and um you know ultimately kind of gets uh wrapped up in his crimes a little bit and he's like abusive to like he she's it's just like she clearly like doesn't know what she wants and is uh unhappy with her current lifestyle and is just like wandering around um but it's it's an interesting movie it is fun fact wanda is the very first pairing recommendation mentioned on this here podcast by bill ackerman when we the very first episode we did the rain people and his first pairing recommendation was wanda so yeah gosh what a powerful movie and you know kind of bummer that like man she showed so much uh promise right she was so talented i feel like barbara loden behind the camera and didn't get any opportunities yeah yeah uh boys are you fans of this movie i absolutely am i love this movie have you seen it dirk no oh never heard of it it's yeah it's uh you should watch it i think you'd dig it it's really powerful good stuff all right Vinny, number one all right i just want to clarify that none of these movies are in my top 10 discoveries of the year you know they're just other movies um because a lot of those i've already talked about on this podcast so uh my last pick as i will word it uh i accidentally <laughs> discovered number one because i went to log the film the man who lies um the Alan Robrier film with Jean-Louis Trintignant. And I accidentally mistyped the word lies. And this movie came up and I clicked on it because I knew the director. And it happened to be streaming on Criterion Channel. And that is The Man Who Left His Will on Film from 1970, directed by Nagisa Oshima. It's quite a typo. The Man Who Lies. Yeah, well, well, I did lies. I did L-E. So... On red letter box, it thought that I was talking about this. Okay. Um, it's one letter off. It's not that bad. I didn't type out the whole thing. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say, but the man kind of auto who filled L, you have. and then I put the E, and then it, you know. It's, anyway, like, you sneeze. I believe you, Vinny. You sneeze. Go on f- letter box, do the search, type in the man who, and then put L E, and see you, what comes up. No, you sneezed, and your fingers just went left his will on film. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, go ahead. Anyway, <laughs> it's about the what it's about. I use that in quotations. Um, these students are making a film, a like political social film, and one of the students commits suicide with the camera, and so they become obsessed with why he committed suicide and what's on the camera and using the shots that he got on the camera as clues to try to figure out why he committed suicide. Um, And then it gets into this, what is reality? Did this person actually commit suicide? Is this person real? Is the movie a movie within a movie kind of thing? And it's really, really interesting. And it's very much feels like a, godard film 
Um, but it's Nagisa Oshima who made, you know, in the realm of the senses and uh Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Um so you know, talented. Uh but it's it's early and it's very, very like captivating because the mystery is so subtle that you don't realize you're watching a mystery movie at first. And, but as this character gets, it's just about that obsession. He gets obsessed with the guy's girlfriend. And then it's like, okay, is she, um, is he trying to take over this guy's life? The person that killed themselves. And there's like this whole political police aspect to it too. Uh, this one is streaming on criterion still to this day. Uh, Cause I, I don't, they must have the rights for it forever. Um, I watched this back in the early summer or spring or something like that. But yeah, uh, mystery film, Nagisa Oshima, the man who left his will on film. Typo discovery. Uh, I've never seen Oshima in my life. Oh, you need to watch. You need to watch In the Realm of the Senses tonight. Yes. Okay. All right. 2023. Actually, no, I can't do all Oshima. <laughs> Um, just in the realm of the senses okay it's not even his best movie but you need to watch it yeah why sell me on it just go to the egg scene yeah that's all you need to know go to the egg scene don't read anything just start it oh i won't okay oh the egg scene in that realm okay um very good well what's your okay what is unless you're saving it for another podcast appearance you cheater um Vinny, what's like your number one discovery of the year then uh i think i already talked about it a full day's work the uh, no i didn't talk about that no but it's too late uh, no man one. who left his will on film <laughs> full day's work is my favorite movie that i discovered this year <laughs> <laughs> oh, i got it in just under the wire oh the <laughs> stop recording i'm sorry um okay so you said, <coughs> Jesus, God, I've got to wrap this up. I'm dying here. Um, you said that Oshima film reminds you of Godard, right? Is that right? Yes. Okay. And then you see, I did it for you. Thank you. Uh, I watched Breathless for the first time this last year. And uh, you know what? It's a pretty good movie, you guys. You ever heard mm-hmm. of it? It's pretty good. Um. I watched it because I, you know, it's, I got into the French new wave this year. It's been on the watch list forever. Uh, but most importantly, it's in book two of cult movies, maybe book three. I don't know. Um, but I watched it for the first time and God damn, I completely fell in love with Gene Seberg and, uh, John Paul, John Paul Belmondo. They're just, the two of the most charming people I've ever seen in a movie. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, again, it's another ending that you'll never forget. Uh, but it's the only ending. That's the only way this, this story can end. Right. Um, and it's beautiful. This was the first Godard I watched this year. Um, it just seemed fitting and in this might i think this was the first movie i watched when i started the french new wave stuff um but god you know it, 
we'll talk more about it whenever we get to it, but it's a good fucking movie. My God. Um, I'm glad I was a little worried. It's, you know, it, it had one of those bars and I know not everybody like likes breathless. Um, or, you know, most people don't consider breathless to be Godard's best film. Um, and I don't know if it's his best film, but of the Godard that I watched this year, it's my favorite of his. Um, I think it's insanely rewatchable. The scene, I've watched this scene probably a dozen times when they first meet on the street and she's hawking the newspapers and he's walking along with her. It's just, it's so cute. And like uh, the on location there in wherever the hell they are in Paris. And it's, you know, it's... uh it's a beautiful film. So, um, Vinny, do you, uh, is this, what, what's your favorite Godard? Do you have a favorite Godard? Yeah. Uh, I would say that, uh, Pierre Lefou is okay. my, my favorite. Um, <coughs> but I think that like, he has like five great movies and I think that breathless is one of them. One of them. Okay. He's like 50 terrible movies, but right. it's five great ones. Right. <laughs> Uh, did you did you start the the French New Wave before or after I killed Godard? Um, it was I think it was be- before. It was before you killed okay. Godard. Yeah. Okay. So you're the one that killed Godard, though. Uh, yeah, Kristen, Kristen, or Dirk, have you either of you seen Breathless? I've seen it. It's been a long time. Same. Well, I can't wait to to uh, talk about this movie in depth and um, watch more of his filmography. I, I want to see the other great ones. I want to see the the terrible ones because I think Jean Luc Godard is a fascinating person. You know, I read that the Godard on Godard book this year, and um, before I read the Jonas Mikas book, I was like, "Oh, Jean Luc Godard is my favorite film writer." And then I followed that up with Jonas Mikas. I was like, oh, that's Jonas Mikas is my favorite film writer. Anyways. Um, maybe this year I'll watch Jonas Mikas movies. Who knows? Speaking of weird tone poems. All right. That's it. Um, do we want to run down lists or do we just say bye? It doesn't matter to me. I don't, I don't give a shit. It's late. It's up to the boss. It's up to the boss. The boss, what do you uh, say? Yeah, I like, I like when people do that. All right. All right. <laughs> Dirk, you want to run down your list real quick? Sure. Um, so do you want me to do the numbers or just names? Uh, just names. It's fine. Okay. Battle for the Lost Planet, Kung Fu Master, Ilya Merlemetz, Doberman, Nocturnal Demon, Vampire is Still Alive, Carnival Magic, The Cat, Car Cemetery, and War Requiem. What a list. I'd go to that film festival. No shit. That is incredible. <laughs> time. Yeah, man. All right, boss. Uh, Truck Turner, Once Upon a Time in China 2, Drunken Angel, Model, Ebola Syndrome, The Gambler, uh, Millionaire's Express, Miami Blues, Tough Guys Don't Dance, and Wanda. There's another great festival. Jesus. All right, Vinny. All right. Uh, Big Guns, uh, Monkey in Winter, A Slight Case of Murder. Another Man's Poison, Without Love, The Farmer, The Blood Spattered Bride, Red Psalm, Palm Beach Story, and The Man Who Left His Will on, on Film. Class. P. 
pure class. Yeah, the classiest one. Uh, and mine is lifeguard and t- interiors. <laughs> it's class. It's Spanish. It's classy. Uh, lifeguard interiors. The American friend. Killing of a Chinese bookie. Remember my name. Pray for the Wildcats. Diary of a Mad Housewife. Uh, the Friends of Eddie Coyle. Coming home and breathless. And that's it. Dirk, thanks for joining us. This was a long Yay. one. We we topped out at three hours. I appreciate your time, my friend. Oh, oh, well, thanks so much for having me. I was so excited to be included. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not, I don't have the classiest picks all, all across here, but, um, but I enjoy the variety of everyone's. Exactly. That's why I choice. asked you here, because I knew you were going to mix it up uh, between the four of us. I think this is. We 40, 40 fascinating movies that we talked about today. 39. So, 39 fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm I not going to watch. That's in, fair. I, you know what? I'm going to watch in, uh, not in the realm of the, whatever that is. I'm going to watch Tough Guys. The don't, yeah. I'm going to watch Tough Guys Don't Dance tonight instead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dirk, Dirk, where can people find you online? Oh, just VHUS underscore podcast for the uh, Twitter and the Instagram. Yep. Uh, Kristen, where can people find you online? I'm on Twitter at snail with an E on the end. S-N-A-I-L-E. Vinny. I am on Twitter at snail with two E's on the end. <laughs> no. uh, Vinny bought better on Twitter. Uh, you, can find- you can find me. This show on Twitter and Instagram at Cult Movies Pod. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterbox at AK Donnelly. That's A K D O N E L L Y. And we got two more episodes for the season. Next week is Unsung Horrors. You guys ever heard of that podcast? Uh, they're going to be here to, t- to talk about caged heat, uh, talk about class. And then uh, for the final episode of season number four, Lindsay Wilkins will be here and we're going to talk about Duck Soup. Some Mark's brother. So uh, two more weeks until we're gone for, you know, maybe ever. Who knows? <laughs> I kid, maybe a month. Who cares? All right, we're leaving. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.